Hi everyone. Welcome today to session four of our discussions our, and answers to frequently asked questions surrounding the topic of emotions. If you're just tuning into this session, we'd like to remind you that there's some really good introductory material that we've already covered that will give context to what we're going to discuss today. Um, so if you would refer to the series on how the human soul functions, there's a number of sessions in that series and you'll find that information pretty useful uh, if you're interested in the topic of emotions and how to deal with them productively and constructively. So I'm with Jesus today and he's going to answer my uh, many and varied questions that we've received from people in our frequently asked questions mm. email box. Mm. Thanks baby. Well, our first question today comes from Daniel mm -hmm. and he says, how do I actually process my emotions? The past couple of months have been somewhat tragic. A lot of things have happened. Loss of a friend, made a few bad choices that I now think back and go, wow, that was stupid. <laughs> but I still have a lot of grief and guilt and I'm a bit unsure by what you mean when you say processing emotions. Mm. Well, firstly, the whole terminology processing emotions um, is probably, it's better to say, how do I feel my emotions? Because yep. once you feel and experience your emotions, you are processing through your emotions. So when we talk about processing emotions, we're really saying that it's processing through emotions. In other words, going through the process of feeling lots and lots of different emotions mm -hmm. to actually process an emotion mm -hmm. you need to feel it you need to experience it you need to let yourself experience it and feel it so that's quite simple uh, in terms of an answer now obviously daniel's question has got a lot more complexity in it than that but but if we look at the issue of, of feeling or experiencing your emotions the main problem we have is in in daniel's case it's the same problem that he has and that is we're we're often not very sensitive to our emotions yeah and we're also not very sensitive to allowing them to flow, to allowing them to be present, to allowing ourselves to experience them. So whenever traumatic events occur, so he's lost a friend, he said, I think, and yep. made some bad decisions that he feels regretful and guilty <laughs> about yep. as well. These kind of, <coughs> the fact that these things have happened, I just need to have a cough. The fact that these things have happened are they, they are law of attraction events. So, so in other words, his soul is in a certain condition and then it's attracting events that would cause him under normal circumstances if he was sensitive yeah. to feel specific emotions that are within his soul. Mm -hmm. And the fact that the events are being attracted is an indication that these particular emotions must exist in his soul, otherwise he wouldn't attract the events. Right. So, so we need to examine then why it is that he's not being able to feel the events. Mm -hmm. Now, whenever we can't feel, there's only a few reasons why we can't. One is that we're in complete denial of our feelings. In other words, we spend most of our time trying to shut down our feelings. Two is that we revert to anger-based positions. Or three, that we have a lot of addictions in play. So if someone's not feeling their emotions, uh, through, particularly through traumatic events, mm -hmm. the key is to look at the different belief systems that create addictions uh, that are in play or to look at the particular belief systems, emotional belief systems that create denial of emotion. And this requires, again, a use of our will. So mm -hmm. we've emphasized over and over during these sessions that our will must be engaged. 
So what I'm suggesting to Daniel is that his will is not engaged to, to feel emotion at this point. Yeah. His will instead is engaged to deny emotions, to suppress emotions, to resist emotions or substitute emotions. Mm -hmm. So that's how he's currently using his will. Now, we only use our will along those lines because of belief systems that we have inside of us. Belief systems such as, it's pointless feeling my emotion. It's better if I avoid my emotion. Uh, if I feel my emotions, I'll get punished and so forth. Yeah. We need to examine the belief systems inside of ourselves. And again, this is an exercise of our will. Mm -hmm. So what is our emotional feelings that we have about feeling emotions? Yeah. So, so what do we really feel about having to experience our own emotions. Yeah. Now, this is where we start to see the fears involved that, that begin to be exposed once we start this examination process. So, so someone like Daniel probably thinks that he has very little fear, mm -hmm. but the reality is there must be a lot of fear about emotion. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, he would already be feeling his emotion, particularly if he lost a good friend uh, through death or whatever, there'd probably some emotions come up there and the fact that he's shut down towards them means that he's probably not feeling them yeah. and that means that he must have fears and he's probably suppressing his fears with some addictions yeah. and, and this helps him avoid. And the only way you can get through all of that is to, is to use your will to change what you do. Yeah. So that's the only thing I've been able to do. Your, if your will is actively engaged in trying to suppress emotion, there is very little emotion that you'll actually ever find. You need to change your will, and that's about changing some of your belief systems. And it's also about desire. If, if we have little desire to connect to God, or little desire to become our true self, then of course we will actively resist most of our emotions. And so, it, again, it gets down to the development of a real, pure, wholehearted, sincere desire to connect to God and connect to ourselves, and a real, pure, wholehearted, sincere desire to feel and express what we really feel at all times. Mm -hmm. And most people don't have those two desires, and so that's something that we would need to learn how to develop. Now, one of the main reasons why we don't have those desires is because our fear prevents us from having desires. Mm -hmm. So again, it's only fear that usually prevents us from developing desires that are good for us. And it's also fear, uh, fear indicates generally that there are many false beliefs. So I, if I was Daniel, I would also examine my false beliefs about God, false beliefs about emotions, false beliefs about fear, and so forth that I have because with it, when you get into a state of truth with regard to your past you know your life up to this point and your truth about the decisions that you've made that you regret mm -hmm. then you will easily connect to the emotions that those particular truths bring up mm -hmm. when we deny the truth we will resist our emotions mm -hmm. quite strongly and so he's obviously doing that as well, particularly with regard to the issues revolving around the things that he feels bad about, that he, cho that he made some bad decisions in the yeah. past few months. So they are the main things that he would need to do. Now, what I find is that most people, when they're told that, they want to be told how to do that. But the reality is when you have desire to do it, you work out how to do it. You actually engage a process where you are sincere about finding out the truth about yourself. And once that happens, 
then the truth about yourself comes at you quite rapidly mm -hmm. through all sorts of events. You attract it through the, the law of attraction. So your soul, as soon as you enter the state where you really want to know the truth, you have a lot of events happening around you that tell you the truth quite rapidly. And so that's one way of finding out the truth if you really wanted to know it. The other thing is that you'd be open to the feedback from others. And I find a lot of people say, oh, you know, I want to get into my emotions, but then you tell them one thing about their emotions and they're in complete denial about that particular emotion, which means that they're not open to any feedback. They're not being humble to mm -hmm. any feedback from the universe around them or from other people which might help them. Yeah. If you're truly sincere about dealing with your emotions, you do not care where the information comes from. You allow the information to come to you and then you w attempt to go through it emotionally. So, so when it comes to processing these emotions, yeah. all we need do is experience them. The problem is getting to the point of experiencing them for most people. So um, just a little bit of theory then. Mm -hmm. uh, again, we talked about this a bit in how the human soul functions, mm -hmm. but, but in this, you know, talking about feeling our emotions fully or processing emotion. Um, what does it mean? Say I'm Daniel mm -hmm. and my friend passes and I go to the funeral and I have a bit of a cry. Um, well, I suggest that Daniel probably didn't even do that, but, <laughs> but go, go on. <laughs> I suppose what I'm asking about is where, where we find the difference between uh, what it means to be a bit emotional and what it means to actually process an emotion and how we know we've processed an emotion. What, what, what are we referring to when we talk about those kinds of things? The problem with answering these kind of questions that you've just asked, I feel, is that it intellectualises a process that is emotional. Yeah. And the big problem that most people have is that they're using their head too much <laughs> and just not allowing themselves to feel what they actually feel. Yeah. The reality is if you went along to a funeral of your friend and you had a connection with your friend and you had some false beliefs about death and so forth in you, which almost all of humanity does have, you would get into sadness at the funeral. Now, most people don't because they're, they're struggling to hold back the sadness. Mm -hmm. so, so I feel the struggle to hold back the sadness is not going to be helped now by an intellectual discussion about you know, emotion and how sure. it works and everything. The, the, there needs to be a willingness developed in the soul, which is an emotional willingness developed in the soul through the exercise of your own will to feel your own emotions. And if you can't feel your own emotions, it is because of all the emotional feelings that are in your soul that are unwilling mm -hmm. to feel emotion. Mm -hmm. And what I would do is sincerely look at my unwillingness. So rather than trying to force myself into be willing, yes. I would look at why I'm unwilling. Yeah. to feel my emotions. Yeah. And the question uh, that I'd ask Daniel is things like, um, how bad does your life have to get before you're going to feel an emotion? Mm. Right? That's a very uh, good question to ask yourself. Because for most people, it has to get very, very bad before they'll feel an emotion. Yeah. And remember, what we're trying to do is increase our emotional sensitivity, not increase our desensitivity. Mm. But the majority of people through their life increase their desensitivity to emotion. So, so, and the only thing that breaks through that is, that is the law of attraction bringing more and more difficult events. Now, how hard do the events have to be before you're going to feel them? So, so if it's the death of a friend, 
what's the next death that's going to have to happen before you feel something? Maybe it's the death of a spouse or a child or something in your family before you'll start feeling some of that kind of grief. Wouldn't it be better to just begin to look at the blockages you have to feeling that grief mm. rather than just saying, oh, well, I can't feel, let's move on to the next nasty event that happens and see how, how I go feeling that one. Yeah. Um, if we have a really sincere desire to feel, what I've found myself is that you can easily access your emotion, um, but you must exercise your will in that direction mm -hmm. first. And the majority of people, if they look at what they do during the course of a day, they don't exercise their will to feel emotion at all, generally. The course of the day, normally most people are engaging in activity which suppresses their emotion, engaging in activity that feeds their addictions so that their emotions can be suppressed, or trying to keep busy, which is another activity mm -hmm. to suppress emotion and it's another addiction. They have very little focus in their day-to-day -day activity of actually spending time each day to discover how they actually feel about the things that are happening in the course of the day. And feel about the things that are happening that have happened in the past. And very, very few people have a sincere desire to actually do that. And that's the reason why the majority of people are really struggling when it comes to divine truth. Because unless you do that, you don't really have a sincere desire to connect to God. Mm -hmm. You don't really have a sincere desire to connect to yourself. And so it's highly unlikely that you'll actually experience any improvement on a path that requires all of those things from you. Yeah. Now, remember, this is the way God created it to be. So, in other words, you're never going to experience any improvement on the way God created it to be unless you're willing to go through this process. And your willingness will depend very much on your desire to look at your unwillingness. <laughs> yeah. In other words, you've got to find all the reasons emotionally inside of you as to why you're so unwilling to feel what you're actually feeling mm. and what's actually present and what you're attracting. Yeah. And so that's where I would start if I was Daniel to look at all of the ways that he doesn't like the idea. <laughs> not that he likes the idea, because it's very plain he does not like the idea from a soul level, otherwise he will already be feeling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And even in his statements there, he's judging himself, isn't he? He's, he's calling himself stupid and... Well, no he's, no, he's not actually judging himself, I feel, from an emotional perspective. He, he's calling himself stupid, but he's not really calling himself stupid. If you reread the question, yep. he's really saying that he did some stupid things. Yes, no, you're right. Which is he not is saying that same. he feels stupid himself. Yep. And in fact, he's not allowing himself to feel stupid. That's the reality. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and in fact, he's distancing himself from the stupid choices that he has made, in his own definition. Mm -hmm. um, through that mechanism mm -hmm. he, he by saying by saying oh, i did some stupid things that's very different to saying i am a stupid person yes. so yeah i don't feel he believes he's a stupid person right he just feels that he made some silly mistakes in the last few months but he hasn't let himself feel about them and why he did them mm -hmm. which is all about the willingness again to find out why you're so unwilling <laughs> to live in harmony with love and truth yeah and this is why I feel most people f don't, you know, struggle on the divine love path, particularly when they first begin, because they, they are very, very unwilling. <laughs> and we need to get through our own unwillingness. Mm. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Thanks. The next question comes from someone I don't know. Yeah. I, don't know <laughs> I don't have a name. But yeah. they ask, 
Do you have to be feeling a specific emotion when you are processing emotion? <laughs> yeah, this question is so funny. I've had it so many times in our seminars. Um, yes, of course, <laughs> you have to be experiencing or feeling an emotion if you're ever going to process through your emotions. Uh, and so, yes, it's impossible to process through any emotion if you're not feeling it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and I find the question so funny in a way because it indicates how distant people are from, the, from their emotions. They, they sort of think that processing emotion is some sort of intellectual thing, yeah. even. Yeah. No, it's not going to be any intellectual thing. It's going to be focused on feeling and experiencing the actual emotions. Mm -hmm. so, so you cannot expect to be nice and quiet and calm while you're processing an emotion. It's not like that, and it never will be like that. And yeah. uh, there is going to be pain and suffering in the process of feeling and experiencing these emotions because most of these emotions are error-based emotions that need to come out of you. And as a result, all error causes pain. So all error is going to, so this error, as it comes out of you, is going to feel painful. And you're going to have to, at some point, be a, allow yourself to feel pain, mm -hmm. emotionally mm -hmm. pain and physically pain as well. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to allow yourself to feel the physical pain in your body. You're going to have to allow yourself to feel the emotional pain that you have and allow yourself to go through the experience of it, not just the acknowledgement of it. Mm. You know, a lot of these new age people go, oh, as long as I acknowledge the emotion, then it all goes away. No, it doesn't. It doesn't go away. It's still in your soul and it will remain locked up in your soul until you experience it. And and the reason why it's locked up in your soul is because you've got other emotions on top of it that you firstly will need to feel before you can feel the causal emotion, the actual one that will heal you. You'll have to feel all the blocking emotions that you also have, all the things that happen to you to shut you down from experiencing your emotion. And so people who ask this question are usually very shut down emotionally. Mm -hmm. And so much so that they have no understanding of what it means to actually feel an emotion. Mm. Otherwise, they would never ask the question. Yeah. Do you think we always know what the emotion, like... No. What the emotion is Definitely when we're not. feeling it? No. Definitely not. We, might, we can't na necessarily name it or where it comes from, but we are experiencing it. Yes, and, and it doesn't matter about naming where it comes from. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. And this is something that everyone wants to do. And it's crazy to want to do it if you think about it, because some of the emotions will have entered you before... From the, age, from the time you were um, conceived through to the age of, say, three or four, when you didn't have a developed intellect and you have very little recorded memory of, that, of those events generally mm -hmm. because they are often shut down emotionally. So, so because of these things, as you go through the emotion, you'll just be feeling an emotion. Now, you might become acknowledging about it afterwards, yeah. but if you're acknowledging it through it, it's not you acknowledging it. It's just, you've just got a spirit talking in your ear telling you what the emotion's all about. And honestly, it doesn't help you. It doesn't help you. What you need to do to fully experience the emotion is to stay in the emotion for as long as it's there. Mm -hmm. And that requires, again, the exercise of your will. And it doesn't matter what you intellectually believe it to be about. And you've got to give up the idea that it's actually about thing, you know, something. Causal emotion will often you'll find out about it only after you've processed it as to what it was about. Yeah. Now, there are groups of emotions that we manufacture. Mm -hmm. Now, these emotions are all useless to feel. 
Now these kind of emotions are the kind of emotions that people experience quite frequently, which are things like rebellion, you know, anger, tantrums, yeah. crying because somebody didn't give you what you wanted, yeah. which, is a, which is out of harmony with love, yeah. and so forth. A lot of those kind of emotions are all useless emotions to actually feel because you're manufacturing them. They are not anything to do with reality or truth. They are only what you want to believe you should feel. Mm -hmm. And most people I know go through those emotions. And they, that's why, you know, a year later, nothing has changed because they're not looking at the issue of love in their emotions. Yes. So it's not just about processing emotions, it's about looking at how love and truth affects the emotion. If you're crying because somebody didn't give you something, you're not in harmony with love. So there's a deeper issue. Mm -hmm. There's a deeper emotional issue that you're not crying about yet that you'll need to find, right? And the crying about somebody not giving you what you want is all just a facade a self-delusion to help you avoid what is the real pain inside of you yeah. and people do this frequently so we can't assume that just because someone's even feeling emotion that they're actually processing through causal emotions because yeah. they quite often are not mm -hmm. and in fact frequently are not and they are doing the substitute emotions because they are more palatable to them to experience than the actual causal emotional pain is yeah so they're using substitute emotions to avoid the causal emotional pain. Yeah. yeah. Whenever we're releasing a causal emotion, uh, I often feel there's a truthfulness about what, from God's perspective, about what's occurred as, like it has to be done in that context. Like for example, if I'm crying about feeling low self-worth, um, but in fact I, f I feel bad because other people have treated me bad, when I really get to my causal emotion, I'll be crying about the fact that other people treated me bad and it hurt. Correct. So, so this whole concept of low self-worth, for example, is not often the causal emotion. It's mm -hmm. an effect of the cause. Yep. The cause is being attacked during your childhood and being made to feel that you have no worth yep. and having a lot of pain about that inside of you once you release and fear about that inside of you. Mm -hmm. Once you release that fear, pain and shame related to those events, then you'll no longer have a low self-worth. And also you'll be able to feel and experience God's love. And so you know you have worth because yeah. the biggest person in the universe loves you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you can feel it. And conversely, sometimes I see people crying because they feel they've been treated badly and it's all about mummy and daddy treating them badly. When in fact, uh, they've actually gotten a lot of what they wanted in their childhood, which bred an expectation that Correct. they should. And what the truthful, the truthful situation from God's perspective is that they have unloving demands and expectations. Correct. And that's what they need to deal with. Correct. And so there always has to be an element of truthfulness, doesn't there? Of or, course. Or, or, not an element. There must has be, to be a truthful... Uh, it comes through the process of emotions, doesn't it? But if well, well, initially, maybe not. You know, yeah. A lot of times what we do first, and what I've noticed a lot of people who hear divine truth, what they do first is they process through all of these emotions mm -hmm. that actually are all self-delusions. Yeah. And then you tell them they haven't made any progress at all. 
and that's when they process their first real emotion, which is anger. <laughs> because they're angry that the last year of their life was wasted time because they thought they were processing things that they never processed. <laughs> and when you say they're processing, then they're not really processing because we talked in our previous session about anger not being that kind of anger. Correct. It's not a, it's real, not a real process. process. But they're at least more honest with what's in their Correct. soul. Correct. Yeah. And, and they start to see their own they can start to see the fact that they haven't begun, mm -hmm. which is actually helpful. Yes. Yeah, but most people never make it beyond that point, <laughs> usually on the divine love path, particularly on earth. You know, there are so many of our friends in the first century who heard the divine truth for many years, didn't make an ounce of progress the entire time they are alive on earth yeah. until they r arrived in the spirit world in the hells and then realized the imperative of becoming more sincere about their <laughs> feeling of their emotions. Yeah. And this is, the, this is the issue that most people on earth face now, is that unless we're more sincere about the feeling of our emotions and we're actually doing it in harmony with love, ethics and truth, then, then we'll be selecting emotions all the time that actually have no bearing whatsoever on the truth at all. So, so if yeah. maybe if I give an example of that, an example that you've already raised, and that is this example of, Let's say I, I feel you don't love me. Well, the reality from God's perspective is that you don't have to love me. So if I'm crying about you not loving me, then I'm not crying about a causal emotional issue. Mm -hmm. I'm crying about an effect. Mm -hmm. There's something inside of me that has an expectation that you have to love me, mm -hmm. even though God's truth is that you don't. So the fact that I'm actually now crying about somebody not loving me is an indication that I'm already out of harmony with God's truth on that issue. Mm -hmm. Now, God's truth on the issue is that I am loved by God even if I'm loved by no one else. Now, if I don't feel that and I need somebody else to love me, then I'm in an addiction with that person, mm -hmm. right? Now, I can cry about that addiction not being met, but I'm not going to make any progress, yeah. not on the divine love path, and not even on the natural love path. Mm -hmm. Because the reality is, I have a demand upon the other person, you, that you love me. And that demand in itself is out of harmony with love. Yeah. So what I would need to do is feel about why I have that demand mm -hmm. and why it is that I feel so sad when I'm not loved. Mm -hmm. And that is all about the internal sense of worth that I have. If I actually loved myself and 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 therefore was supplying all the love that I needed for myself, to myself, then I wouldn't need another person to love me, actually. Yeah. And that, you know, that's more in harmony with God's truth. Yeah, and this is where I start to get really passionate about the topic of humility. Mm -hmm. Because humi humility is a willingness to feel our emotions, but it's also a willingness to receive the truth. The truth. And so yep. what you just explaining there I mean in order to process fully we have to be open to willing uh, we have to be willing to feel our emotions but also open to understanding the truth in relation to those emotions correct and, and that's what I see most people not doing yeah most people have no desire to find out the truth about why they feel what they feel yes. so for example if I am a crying about you not loving me and then somebody came along and said to me actually you're the one out of harmony with love I'd probably go straight into anger mm. because the addiction is that I want met is that I want you to love me 
and I want my other friend who's coming along to tell me the truth, <laughs> I want him to tell me that you should love me. Yeah. That's yeah. what I want. Yeah. And so I get angry with him for telling, him, for telling me that you don't have to love me. Yeah. Right? So that, that's an indication that I'm still in my addiction emotion and I'm only crying because my addiction is not met, mm -hmm. which is really an expression of rage. Yes. It's not an expression of sadness at all, mm -hmm. but rather rage. Mm -hmm. And this is where we often are with our emotions. We think we're processing something when it's got nothing to do with God's truth whatsoever. Yeah. And if it's got nothing to do with God's truth, then it's highly likely that we're not processing anything. Yeah. We're just living in our delusion mm. and we're living in our addiction and our addictions are not getting met. And all we're doing is expressing our rage about our addictions not getting met. <laughs> Okay, so if we recap then mm -hmm. um, what you've said about processing emotions, the original question was, are we going to be feeling a specific emotion? Yeah, and the bl blunt answer of that was yes. Yes. So, and we're going to be feeling in that we'll be crying or shaking, or we'll be, Sh it'll be an overwhelming, the emotion is. it'll yeah. be an overwhelming experience of emotion. Correct. Yep. Our soul will go through a process of feeling and experiencing the emotion and that means that there will be outward demonstrations of the experience. Yes. So, you know, when we, when we feel sad, if we're not having tears rolling down our face, yeah. then we're not really feeling sad. Yeah. We're just storing sad. <laughs> we're not feeling living it. Living in sad. We're living in sad. We're yeah. not feeling it. Yeah. To feel an emotion, there will be an expression. There will be the flow of the energy of that emotion in you. Mm -hmm. And it will, it will exhibit itself in both of your bodies. So if yeah. you're a spirit, it'll exhibit it in your spirit body. You, know, you have tears rolling down your face in your spirit body. Or if you're a person on earth, it'll exhibit in your, in your physical body. That's the way it will be. Mm. And it'll always be that way. Mm -hmm. Always. Mm -hmm. That's how God made it to be. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're overwhelmed yes. bodily, spiritually, emotionally yes. when we're processing. Yes, but the emotion we're processing will be a truth about our life. Mm -hmm. It will not be a false thing about our life. Yep. So in other words, if I'm processing some emotion where I'm just in my expectation or demand, then that's not a truth about my life. That's, that's a lie about my life. Yeah. And of course, there will be no release. Yeah. And I can cry about those kind of things for the next 10 years and nothing will happen. Yeah. And there are people in, this, in the spirit world who have cried like about those things for a thousand years and nothing's happened. Yeah. Because they haven't processed or they are not finding the emotional truth. Rather, they are relying on the lie yeah. and the self-delusion. Yeah, and... And we can just grow the willingness to find the emotional truth within us, of can't course. we? So it's not, it doesn't have to be, uh, this is another thing that you said uh, in, in our discussion, that it's not an intellectual process. Yes. It's, it's a willingness to find the emotional truth. And you said something beautiful, that it would be in harmony with love, ethics and God's truth mm. when we're processing emotions. So if we examine this previous example that we had, where I expect you to love me yeah. and when you don't love me I have a big cry about it well that's telling me that I actually have an expectation or a demand mm -hmm. that you love me now God's truth is if I just tell myself God's truth well God's truth is that you don't have to love me how do I feel about that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now initially I might feel angry about that mm -hmm. which is processing a deeper emotion mm -hmm. But after I get through my anger and get into what, what I'm afraid of about that, and probably we'll start to go through fears like this emotionally. We'll, the fears will look something like, if Mary doesn't love me, then 
and nobody has to love me, then I'm going to go through my life unloved. Mm -hmm. how, how do I feel about that? Mm -hmm. And then I'll start connecting to some feelings about my being unloved in my childhood. And in the case, I, it's an interaction with a woman, so it must be some feelings that I have with my mother that I was unloved, mm -hmm. that I need to actually go through. And I'll start processing through that. So I won't be focusing my attention on the current relationship not where it's not working. My attention will be focused on a past experience, usually a childhood one, yeah. that I need to feel about and eventually connect to. Mm -hmm. Then I'll actually be processing, <laughs> experiencing the truth of that my emotion. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so we're going to be feeling it. There's going to be truth involved. And this is the power, isn't it, of exposing ourselves to God's truths because very often it helps us cut through a lot of the self-intellectual delusion stuff we want to tell ourselves about mm -hmm. our emotions. If we're willing to humbly face what God's truth is about a matter, often it connects us very well with the errors inside of us, doesn't mm. it? If we're humble. Yes, yeah. if we're humble. The final thing that you said about processing emotions is that we might not know what the exact emotion is while we're feeling it, but we will be overwhelmed emotionally. Yes. Yeah. And, and in the end, um, if you're analysing your emotion, you're not yet at the causal emotion. Yeah. Right. And the fact that we analyse all comes from fears. Yeah. So they all come from higher emotions when we analyse. Yep. So every time we analyse our emotions, we're already in the fear-based emotion. Yeah. And we're already living in it. We're living in the addiction of it. Yeah. We're not actually feeling that either. Because yeah. once you start feeling the real emotions, the, you don't need to think about it anymore. You're just focused on the feeling sensations of it. You're not, you're not thinking you know, about it yeah. like anymore. And it is... It, People need to understand it's like there is a gateway into your emotions, into different emotions, mm -hmm. because there is a way that you learned how to suppress them. Yeah. And once you undo the way you've learned how to suppress them, you will automatically experience them, mm. uh, all of them. That's great news, isn't it? Yeah. Thank goodness it's not up to me and my intellect to try and root out every little emotion within me no. uh, causally. Like, the the emotion will flow just yeah. like a child yeah. once we allow its flow. Yeah. But we do need to use our will to find mm -hmm. it and find the reason why we deny it. Yeah, find all those things you mentioned and the ways we've controlled it and shut it down, don't yes. we? That's yes, that's the, the work, work you need we to have do. to do. The actual feeling of the emotion we don't have to worry about very much because when we've released enough blockages to the feeling of an emotion, the emotion will naturally flow just like it does in a child. Yeah. So we don't need to worry about getting to the actual emotion. What we need to concern ourselves about is are we being humble to truth? Are we desiring to love here? Are we desiring to live in harmony with God's truth and love? Are we looking at everything from God's perspective rather than our own? They are the real questions we need to focus on initially yeah. because that will help us expose all the blockages. And then we can feel them yeah. once we've exposed them. We can then feel them. And once we feel them, the blockages are released. Mm -hmm. And once the blockages are released, and remember, all the blockages are feelings, mm -hmm. once they are released, then the causal emotion will naturally flow. Yeah. It will always flow. We don't even have to worry about it. Yeah. 
It would just come out of us, you know. And so I have plenty of times where I'm just cooking away at something and doing a meal, or, and all of a sudden I just start crying and away I go. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> and often I know what it's about because it, the emotion is all about something generally, but sometimes I don't even. Yeah. And I just let it go and just let it flow out of me in that moment. So that's all you need to do. Mm -hmm. Once you've released enough blockages, that's what will automatically happen. Yeah. 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 So the key is, the real work we have to do is finding the blockages yes. and being willing to see them, to be truthful and honest about them yeah. and to be humble about them. Yeah. And that's the real work and that's the work that most people don't want to engage. Yeah, God created the great system whereby our soul just feels naturally mm -hmm. and it's us who created all these false beliefs and fears and addictions surrounding that natural state, isn't it? Mm. So it, I kind of feel like sometimes God created the perfect process or system or creation in my soul and then a lot of stuff got built up around it and that's where I live far from it. All I have to do is deconstruct all these man humankind made uh, beliefs and diversions and addictions mm. that are that are in the way of me just living in my soul all mm. the time. That's yeah. correct, yeah. yeah. And so that that's really what it means to process through emotions. But um, I feel the majority of people don't want to do any of that. And that's yeah. why they keep asking the question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they don't want to well, be truthful and honest about, you know, be humble, look at everything from God's perspective. You know, we have, we have, in the course of a day, we, as you know, we have many conversations with people, all whom get upset with us generally about every conversation. Mm -hmm. Mostly it's because they're completely in their addiction and when we tell them they are, they get angry. Mm -hmm. And later on they might see it, but they initially always generally get angry. Mm. And, and you, you've really got to ask the question, do they really want to know what's going on inside of them emotionally. And I'd have to answer, no, they don't. Mm. Because when, when they have somebody tell them what's going on inside of the emotion, they completely deny it, yeah. completely. So if they're denying it with somebody telling them, they're definitely going to be denying it with God because God's trying to give them a feeling about it. And, and if, if someone's right in your face telling you what the problem is and you deny it, then you're not going to be ever connect to God who you know who's yeah. you know give it, trying to give you a feeling about it. Yeah. So of course you you're not going to process through your real causal emotions doing that. Mm -hmm. So there are many people we feel who have listened now for five six years or whatever, and the reality is they haven't begun this process yet. They've only heard a whole heap of divine truth, none of which has entered their heart yet because it can't enter their heart while there's so much fear and addiction in their heart. And there's a complete unwillingness for them to get real about their true emotional self and what, their, what demands are coming out of their soul and what expectations they have and how much rage and anger they have and so forth. Mm. And until you get through those barriers, you won't be processing emotion. Yeah. You'll only be feeling emotions of self-deception. Mm. Good topic for another question. <laughs> so let's yes. move on. <laughs> Our next question is from Amanda mm -hmm. and she asks, quite a lot of people have heard the Divine Truth teachings, but almost everyone seems to find it difficult to implement in their everyday life. <laughs> is the unwillingness to feel fear the major issue? How do we develop a desire to feel fear? 
Um, yes, I, I don't know if I would say the unwillingness to feel fear is, a, is the major issue. Mm -hmm. um, it is one of the issues, certainly. But if we, if we look at the number of issues that people have with regard to divine truth mm -hmm. and progressing with divine truth, the first thing that stops us from progressing with divine truth is the inability to receive love, and particularly the inability to receive love from God. So that's the very first thing. Can I ask, when you say an inability to receive love, is it, it is. an unwillingness to receive love? Well, in the end, it is. Yep. It, it, okay. I, what I mean is this person is unable, for some reason, whatever that reason is, yep. to receive love. Sure. Now, it's not because God's unwilling to give it, because God wants to give it. So it's got to be something that's within the individual that causes them to, to not be able to receive love. Now, some people then go, well, it must be some external problem, but it's not. It's, it is definitely an internal problem. So the soul is not willing to receive God's love. So that's the first and largest problem with progressing on the divine love path. Mm -hmm. So I feel we need to emphasize that. Yeah. Fear is not that first problem, although fear may be involved in that first problem. Yeah. But it is not the first problem. The first problem is the inability of, the, of our own soul to be open to the reception of divine love. Now, how do we get our soul open? Mm. Well, we get our soul open through two ways, which we've discussed many, many times. Mm -hmm. We get our soul open by truth, mm -hmm. by being open to receiving truth, and being humble to the results of that truth, which is feeling your emotions about the truth, enter, you know, about yeah. the truth you're receiving. Now, they are the main reasons why m people do not receive God's love and therefore do not progress on the divine, with divine truth. They don't progress on the path, the way that God made for us to become at one with God because of those three reasons. Mm -hmm. They are the primary reasons. Now, in amongst all of that, there are now many sub-reasons why we might do such a thing. For, for example, there are many reasons why we may block love. We might be angry with love. Mm -hmm. We might have this concept that we should only, like, we shouldn't have to love or any of those kind of things, right? Yeah. Which a lot of people have. So that's anger blocking the reception of love, not necessarily fear. Although fear does drive anger, right? But anger would be perhaps the first emotion that we need to experience. Yeah. We also have many addictions about love or beliefs, false beliefs that appear real to us about love. And sure, they are fears, but again, the truth will deconstruct them mm -hmm. if we're open to receiving the truth. Mm -hmm. So we have to exercise our will to be open to receiving the truth, even from an intellectual perspective, if we're ever going to progress. So I feel the very first problem that people face is an unwillingness to receive love and also give it. Mm -hmm. That's number one. If we worked on that one problem, we would progress very, very rapidly if we were sincere. Mm -hmm. Point number two is there is a complete unwillingness to receive God's truth, to know God's truth, to even live by it in our day-to-day -day life. The majority of people who have heard divine truth are still not living by it five years later, yeah. still in complete denial that they're even not even living by it.
Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they, they tell themselves they're living by it because they go to a seminar or whatever, but in their day-to-day life, they still lie. They still misrepresent the truth. They don't say the truth to people that are around them. When they're in situations where they feel under pressure to say truth, they, they lie or withhold the truth. This is an indication that they have a big problem with truth. And if you have a big problem with truth, you're never going to get to fear. Yeah. Fear is underneath all of that, but you're never going to get to it if you have a big problem with truth. And then if you can't feel any emotion, which is humility, a part of humility, then of course you're going to struggle, even when you do hear the truth, to actually feel the unloving emotion that's inside of you that's preventing you from growing. Mm-hmm. So, so there are the three primary reasons why most people are not progressing on the divine truth path, on, yeah. the, on the way to God, to become at one with God. Fear, of course, is involved in each one of those paths. So fear is a very, very large problem on the planet. It is a huge problem. And fear is often opposing love, opposing truth, and opposing you being humble. Right? So fear is certainly, and this is why I encourage people to list their fears, to see fear as their friend, because friend t- the friend tells them what their problems are with regard to love, truth, and humility. Every time you're afraid, it's telling you what your problems are with regard to love, truth and humility. But that's not the way most people see it. Most people, whenever they have fear, see it that they have to justify their fear, that they have to support it, that they have to work along with it. And they and people come to us and we say, well, you're afraid about this. They go, no, I'm not. Fair enough. What can we do after that? Yeah. You think you're not? Fair enough. But you are. And while you remain so, you are not going to be open to receiving love, receiving truth, or being humble to your own emotions. So what are you going to do about that? Just keep telling yourself that you are, that you are already doing it when you're not, plainly not, and nothing's really changing? Yeah. So, so fear is certainly a problem, but it is not the major problem. I feel the major problem is desire, mm-hmm. which fear also affects. Yeah. The major problem is that people do not have a desire to be loving. They do not have a desire to know the truth. And they do not have a desire to be humble because they see humility as weak. And if you do not have a desire to do those things, you will never, ever want to touch your fear. Yeah. These are all things that are like wrappers that wrap up your fear. Mm-hmm. If, if, uh, so if you don't have a desire to do those three things. You wrap up your fear. It's like you make a present out of it and you hold on to it, to yourself. If you develop a desire to love and to be loved and you develop a desire for truth and to speak truth, Mm -hmm. to receive it and give it, and you develop a desire to be humble at all times and allow the humility of others, then you'll easily progress on the path of divine truth. But the majority of people don't do those three things. And so the majority of people find the path very, very difficult. (laughs) Very hard to progress when you don't do those three things. And fear is certainly involved with each of those things. There are certain fears that we may have that cause us to not want to love or that cause us to not want to receive love. But, uh, But generally, that fear is already wrapped up in addictions and anger. So, so the fear itself is not the problem, mm-hmm. but rather the wrappers that we've placed around the fear are the problem. 
because we're angry, we're in denial, we're angry and we're in our addictions and all of those things prevent us from feeling fear mm -hmm. and we have no desire to actually, to actually go through those things in order to get to our fear. Mm -hmm. So the second part of this question about how do I deal with my fear, well that's not the real question. The real question is how do I deal with my denial? Yeah. How do I deal with my anger and how do I deal with my addictions? Because once I deal with all of those things, I will feel my fear. Yeah. My fear will naturally come up, actually. I, I will place myself, if I'm humble and desire love and truth, I will place myself in situations where generally I feel quite terrified. Mm. <laughs> and I'll, because I'm humble, will feel the fear eventually, yeah. as long as I get rid of my addictions, my denial and my anger. Mm -hmm. As long as I get rid of those things, I will naturally get to my fear. So it's not really the fear that's the problem. It's the denial of the fear using techniques of addiction of and of anger to, to get the addictions met. Mm. That's the real problem. Are you willing to deal with that? And I, I answer, the majority of people are not. So basically you're saying out there, there are a lot of people who have heard divine truth mm -hmm. and the people that who've heard it and have moved on and then new people have heard it and moved many on and moved, moved on, on and, and there's moved been on and tens of thousands who have heard it and moved on <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then there's people out there who've heard it and they're still listening mm -hmm. um but i agree with amanda saying that everyone seems to find it difficult to implement of course they do but but only because they are so far removed from those three essentials right. from from receiving and giving love from receiving and giving truth and from receiving and giving humility. Yeah. They are, they are removed from those three essentials and as a result they are in their addictions the majority of the time and they are unwilling to face their addictions. And you, you cannot get to your fear unless you are willing to face your addictions. So, so fear, yes it is a problem, it's a huge problem on the planet but it's not the main reason why we're not feeling our emotions or not progressing towards God. Mm -hmm. The main reason why is because we're unwilling to work through our addictions. Mm -hmm. We're unwilling to look at how we deny our fear, mm -hmm. how we push it down, how we, how we suppress it, how we resist it. So it's, it's all of the, the aspects of denial, resistance, all the basic things about how the human soul functions that are our, are our problem, yep. not the actual fear itself because you can have fear in you and still progress as long as you're open to doing these other things mm -hmm. the fear will naturally be felt mm -hmm. so it's not fear isn't the cause of you not feeling those particular things it's it's certainly a participating um, factor, factor yeah. but it's not the cause the cause is your lack of desire to actually live in harmony with love and receive love, live in harmony with truth and receive truth, and live in harmony with humility and be humble mm. and allow other people to do the same. It's interesting, isn't it? Because that's all that you ever talk about. Correct. And so people are obviously attracted to that intellectually. Yes. But emotionally, um, there's not the implementation of these principles and so well, there's not a very strong happen. desire to implement yeah. the principles so they love the idea of the end result uh -huh. but they don't want to do the work that gets the end result yes and this is what i find is the problem with most uh, 
you know, other philosophies, New Age philosophies, Christian, any religious philosophies, they say basically you don't have to do the work. Somebody else will come along and save you, right? And the New Age philosophies are all about, you know, having this technique and it's magical, you know, and it's all everyone say, no, that is not true. Mm. None of that's true. There is no magical technique here. It, it is going to have to, you're going to have to exercise your will and you're going to have to exercise it in harmony with love, truth and humility if you ever want to progress. And if you're not progressing, the only reason why is because you're not doing it. And you can tell yourself you're doing it, but you're not. Mm -hmm. And you can lie to yourself if you want and be, and be self-delusional or you know, self-deceptive or whatever. But, you, but the fact that is, if you're not making progress on the path of divine truth, it's because you do not do one of, or more of those three things. Mm. And that's the main reason why. Now, fear is a factor of why you won't do one of those three things, but it's one of many factors. There's anger too that causes you to not want to love, yeah. right? Not want to have to tell the truth or, or not want to receive the truth. Anger causes a lot of the resistance to that. There's all of your addictions in play where you believe love to be something completely different to what it really is from God's perspective. And you want to hold on to those beliefs because they make you feel all nice and fuzzy without you having to have any sincerity or without ha having any pure motive. That's something that you want. And so you're going to have that until you decide to change that. Mm -hmm. And this is where people don't understand what's really stopping them from progressing. It's not, it's not fear, one emotion, stopping anybody from progressing. Fear, shame, you know, grief, any one emotion doesn't stop a person from progressing. What stops a person from progressing is a lack of pure, honest desire to love and be loved, to tell the truth and, and hear the truth and apply it and to be humble and allow the humility to be expressed by others. Mm -hmm. That's what stops you from progressing. Mm. If you do those three basic things, you will always progress. And if you think you're doing those three things and you're not progressing, then you're not doing those three things, <laughs> even though you think you are. Yeah. 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 The lack of progress is a direct indicator that you're not doing them because anybody who does them, whether they live here or in the spirit world, always progresses. Great. I don't know what more you can say. I don't think we can say yeah. any more on that subject. Yeah. <laughs> Next question. Mm -hmm. How do I get past the analysing and judging of my emotions and into feeling them? <laughs> analysing and judging your emotions are driven by addiction. So the way to get past analysing and judging your emotions is to start looking at your addictions mm -hmm. to suppressing your emotions. The only reason why the mind wants to analyse an emotion is because you're addicted to, to not feeling the emotion. You don't want to feel it, right? If you wanted to feel it, you wouldn't need to analyse it anymore, right? <laughs> yeah. Secondly, with judgement, the only reason why the mind reverts to judgement of any emotion is because something happened and you want to judge your emotion in order to suppress it. It's a tool that we use, in fact, to suppress the emotion. So anger starts rising, you judge the anger, it's a tool to make it go away. Yeah. Right? So it's just a tool to stop you from being humble, mm -hmm. to stop you from acknowledging the truth that the emotion exists and it's there inside of you, no matter how unpleasant you find it, yeah. to, to stop you from wanting to be more loving. Mm -hmm. That's all it's doing. So, so 
the, way, the fast way to stop analysing and judging your emotions is to look at your addictions as to why you want to judge your emotion and look at your addictions as to why you want to analyse your emotion. Yeah. And then you'll find quite a lot of addictions that you have and you use them all as tools to avoid emotion. Right? That's, that, they're all just ways or methods of suppression, ways or methods of resistance, ways or methods of denial, ways or methods of substitution. Mm -hmm. That's all that they are. So, so the only way to get through judgment and being analytical is to actually look at the reasons why you automatically revert to such behaviour. And that is an addiction. Remember, every time we're driven to a behaviour that we automatically feel we must take, for example, to analyse something or to judge it, then it's driven by an addiction. We want to analyse it. We want to judge it. So look at why you want to. Mm -hmm. That's all you have to do. Mm. Once you look at why you want to analyse and judge, you'll start seeing, oh, I've got that addiction. That's the reason why I want to analyse. I've got that addiction. That's the reason why I want to judge. You know, I want to judge and I want to analyse and that's why I automatically do it. The feeling in my soul is I've got to do that first before I feel anything. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason for those things. And the fact that I revert to that behaviour means that there's quite a lot of addiction to those two things yep. occurring. So that's all we need to do. It's quite a simple process, but most people think there's far more to it than that. And they want there to be far more to it to that because... The whole reason for judging is so that we can suppress our emotions and the whole reason for analysing is so that we can suppress our emotions and select them. And feel in control of them? Totally. Yeah. We want to select We want to select them. We want to go, oh, yeah, that's a nice emotion, I'll have that one. <laughs> oh, that's, a lovely, that's not a nice emotion, I don't want to have that one. Yeah. That's why we analyse our emotions. Yeah. Like a person who analyses their emotion wants control. You mm. want control. You want to be controlled. That's why you do it. So it's an addiction to control. Mm -hmm. Look at why you're so addicted to control. Look at why, what's going to happen when you get out of control. What are you worried about happening when you get out of control? What are you worried about happening once you let go of judgment? Because we hold on to judgment so that we can suppress an emotion. It was a major tool used by our parents to suppress our emotion. And so we now love it as a tool to suppress our own emotion. We mm -hmm. love using that tool because it's the most effective tool. You know, you, you sit, if you sit in a room, you, if you, you try starting crying and then sit in a room with everyone in the room not wanting you to cry and judging that you're crying and you see how, how long you can cry, right? Now, the only person that can cry a long time in those situations is generally a newborn baby child. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They'll cry and cry and cry and cry until they get taken out of the room, right? But the average adult will, will not be able to even cry one tear in that environment mm -hmm. because of the judgment. Mm -hmm. right? And this is why we judge ourselves, so that we don't have to cry one tear, so that we don't have to feel one feeling of fear, so that we don't have to feel one feeling of shame. That's why we do it. So we're addicted to it. We need to stop. So whenever you've got judgment or, or any other thing stopping you from feeling emotion, it's because you want it to stop you from feeling an emotion yeah. and you need to look at your addiction to why you want that so badly. Mm -hmm. It's really quite simple. And uh, you mentioned about someone sitting in a room where everyone's judging them. Uh, is it true then that we begin to judge ourselves in ways that we felt judged as we were growing up in, a w in an effort to of control course. those things that happened 
Well, if we look we don't at it from it, if we psychoanalyze the reasons yeah, why we yeah, do such yeah, a thing, yeah, yeah. which which obviously is not going to help anybody feel the emotion necessarily, yeah, but yeah. but let's see psychoanalyze uh, yeah, the reason okay. why we might revert to judgment. The only reason why we generally revert to judgment is because we used it as a tool to avoid further attack from other people. Mm -hmm. So when our parents, when we got judgment from our parents, we feel, felt quite a lot of pain. So we would rather judge ourselves than receive judgment from others. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a selective tool that we've used for substitution of a more painful emotion. Yeah. That's the only reason why we revert to it. So, so we're brought up to judge in order to suppress more painful emotions. So it's a tool used to suppress causal emotions. And, and as a result, every time we're placed in a situation where that causal emotion might begin to raise its ugly head as we feel, because mm. we're already in judgment about the emotion, right? So we're already viewing it as ugly or too painful to mm -hmm. experience. And we're already worried about what our environment is gonna say about that emotion. So what we do is we go into judgment about that emotion so that everyone in our environment feels, oh, now that's great. You know, she feels the same way or he feels the same way as we do, you know. And this is a great way to avoid the attack of other people. It's a yeah. great way to avoid violence. Yeah. And, and so this is one reason why we've learned it, to, so that we can avoid attack from other people and avoid violence. We learn to attack ourselves instead. Yeah. And when, they, and when a person, I don't know if you've noticed, many parents, when their child attacks themselves, the parent is far more lenient on their behaviour. Yeah. And the parent is also approving, generally, of the self-attack of the child. Yeah. Because uh, it means the parent doesn't have to attack them yeah. anymore. And so most parents feel very much drawn into that kind of treatment of children. And this is one reason why judgment is self-judgment is such a big problem. Because we, we learnt that things go better for us as a child. They do go better for us yeah. when we self-punish. They do go better for us because other people stop punishing us. Yeah. You know, we no longer feel violence from other people when we punish ourselves instead. Right? So, so that's why we revert to that behaviour. And it's not really good for us, is it? No, it's definitely not good for us, but we're addicted to it. Yes. It's an addiction. Yep. It's an addiction because it prevents us from feeling the real feeling, which is that somebody else was attacking us and it feels really, really bad. Mm -hmm. You know, it feels really sad and it feels terrible that we're being attacked and we're quite afraid when we're attacked. And we don't want to feel the fear-based emotions or the grieving-based emotions associated with the attack. Anybody who attacks us doesn't love us. We don't want to feel that. And so, so we revert to the self-punishment instead. We can avoid all whole groups of emotions when we revert to self-punishment. So psycho psychologically, that's why we do it. But me saying that to a person who does it is not really going to help them through it unless they go into their addiction to doing it. Yeah. They need to feel the reason why they're so addicted to doing it. Why do they want to do it? And why do they not want to change mm -hmm. that addiction? Mm -hmm. You know, because it helps them avoid deeper pain. Yeah. Self-punishment or self-judgment helps you avoid the deeper pain of other people punishing you or other people judging you. But as you just said, you just told us and we can receive that information intellectually, but it doesn't help us shift that addiction until we're willing to To actually connect feel to that the addiction yeah. and feel the fear that drives it. Yeah. Right? So the real fear that drives it is I'm terrified to be myself 
and I'm terrified to not judge myself anymore because that means more people around me will mm -hmm. and I'm terrified to feel all of those emotions because they feel terrible. Mm -hmm. That's the real reason. But again, we need to feel our way through the addiction first. Our desire to hold on to the judgment rather than letting it go. Mm -hmm. It took me years to let go of self-judgment and still have problems with it in certain aspects. Because, because, and it's very, very hard to let go of self-judgment yeah. or self-punishment when Others you've got thousands you. or tens of thousands or millions of people attacking you constantly because yeah. you then start accepting their belief about you. And to prevent their belief from being felt, what you do is you construct your own belief about you. Right? And it's much less painful than feeling their belief about you. So yeah. we've got to go through that. We've got to let ourselves feel about that, the addiction that we have to punishment and judgment, self-punishment, self-judgment in particular. Of course, some people are addicted to punishment and judgment of others. Yes. Right? And that is, a, that is even a, it's a quite a wicked thing to become addicted to that. But again, it's all avoidance of certain emotions within yourself is the reason why you do it. And again, you'd have to focus on your addictions, mm -hmm. not on any other thing or any other fear. Mm -hmm. You need to focus on your addiction first. Feel the addiction. Feel how wrong it is from God's perspective. Feel the truth from God's perspective about that addiction. Would God want you to have it? Would you get into the second sphere even with it? Yeah. Would you ever be out of progress towards God with that addiction? Mm. And if we're honest with ourselves, we can easily tell what addictions we have that we're not going to get anywhere with, with God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I feel that's what we need to do with regard to punishment and judgment or self-punishment and self-judgment. And analysis, self-analysis. Yeah, and self-analysis is just another tool that, we, that our mind kicks into gear to, to, as an addiction to avoid certain emotions. You know, most people, what they're doing, and again, we can psychoanalyze that if we want. Yeah. We can go, well, most people are avoiding that they don't know. Yeah. They're avoiding the feeling of not knowing. Yeah. And when they were a child and they didn't know, generally they got laughed at, ridiculed, humiliated or punished. That's what happened. You know, if you think of most children's school years, they got laughed at, ridiculed, humiliated or punished for not knowing something. Mm -hmm. When they were home and they didn't know something, they got laughed at, ridiculed, punished, humiliated as well yeah. so they have learned that it's a terrible thing to not know and so now they use their intellect to know everything because it's a terrible thing to not know because there's all these covered over emotions that need to be felt about not knowing mm -hmm. and this is the main reason why we revert to our mind wanting to know all the time right our mind's not capable of knowing a lot of things and most things in fact above the sixth dimension of the spirit world it's just not capable of even knowing them yeah it, need, it needs our soul to be engaged to know all those things. But, but that's not how we're taught on earth. We're taught to not engage our soul, disconnect from our soul, and to know things intellectually, and to do things intellectually, whether we agree with them or not. And we were forced into that process generally, either by society or our own parents. And so naturally, we're going to have a lot of resistance to, to feeling something that we don't know. Yeah. Uh, and that's the main reason why we want to know and analyse everything. So there's another psych psychoanalytical reason as to why we do it, but in the end it's not going to help you. <laughs> <laughs> what will help you instead is understanding the feeling of the addiction. Yep. 
you need to feel the addiction you have to revert back to the mind every time every time you revert back to the mind you're avoiding an emotion why are you doing that what do you get out of doing that there is something you get out you then know you feel safer you feel more in control you feel more secure these are the emotions you're avoiding through this addiction mm -hmm. feel the addiction feel whether it's in harmony with god's love or truth or not and you'll get somewhere you won't get anywhere if you just go, oh no, I'm going to revert to analysis again. Yeah. You're not going to get anywhere because that's the go-to point for the addiction. That's what the addiction is driving you to do. Mm -hmm. And unless you're willing to feel the addiction and stop the addiction, it's just like, it's like, it's like a cigarette smoker. Unless they, if they always go and take the cigarette every single time and they carry a packet around in their pocket, of course they're not going to give up. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yes. And it's the same with all of our emotional addictions. We're not going to give up these emotional addictions while we carry them around in our pocket all the time for use every single situation where they're triggered. Yeah. We're not going to give it up. We're going to have to learn to confront our addictions just like a smoker who's going to have to probably, you know, throw away his cigarettes and not carry them around in his pocket and not carry a lighter with him in his pocket and all those things that support him in his addiction. Then he's got a chance of giving up. And, it, and if he goes through the emotions, of course, he's got a great chance of giving up. <laughs> but, but this is the thing. We can't give up any addiction while we just continue living in it. All we're doing is continue to supporting it and agree with it. And we continue to, to actually justify its existence. Yeah. And, and God's going to say, well, you just want it anyway. I'm not going to take it away while you want it. You can have it. <laughs> it's not helping you, but you can have it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this is what we need to do with all these kind of addictions like judgment, punishment, in, and, and analysis, and so forth and so forth. Yeah. yeah. Great. Thank you. Next question is from Pierre. Mm -hmm. And he asks Can we release all the causal emotions and errors without the help of God and his operation of grace? No. Simple answer. Um, the reason why that is the case, we have many causal emotions of error relating to God. Uh -huh. So without a connection with God or, or a challenge of the connection with God, we are not going to release those emotional errors. And actually every sixth fear spirit has a whole group of emotions relating to God that they've yet to touch and release. Mm. And that's the reason why they're sixth fear spirits and not in the seventh sphere, mm -hmm. because there's all these causal emotions relating to God. So the answer is no, you cannot progress um, without, you know, uh, in any way, uh, particularly if you want to become at one with God, without addressing all of your causal emotions, which include all the causal emotions you have with God yeah. in your relationship with God. So we can uh, we can't progress beyond the sixth sphere until we deal with those Correct. final emotions. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we can't have infinite progress unless we begin to address those particular emotions. Yep. Yep. Um, so it's an interesting question in a sense, because a lot of people want to be able to progress beyond the sixth sphere without God. Mm -hmm. And of course, there are many sixth sphere spirits who are very much engaged in wanting to progress beyond the sixth sphere without God and wanting to do it through the use of their intellect. Yeah. wanting to develop their intellect further and develop their own love, the natural love within themselves further to progress into the seventh dimension. It's not possible. Nobody's ever done it and nobody will. Yeah. Because the flavour of love that exists in the seventh dimension is such that it requires some of God's love in the soul to live there. Mm -hmm. And that means dealing with your emotional injuries with God. Great. Mm.
Next question is also from Pierre and mm -hmm. uh, links to the prior question. Okay. okay. So, is it correct that we can grieve and release causal emotions with the help of natural love emotional release techniques and without involving God? It is true that we can release some causal emotions using all sorts of techniques to do so, of mm -hmm. course, mm -hmm. but you're not going to release them all. To release them all, you need to involve God because many of your emotions are about God. Mm -hmm. So you will need to involve God in the process of the release of them all. Mm -hmm. You can release some in this process. And in fact, every sixth sphere spirit who's ever progressed to the sixth sphere has released some. Yeah. through a process, some of which has taken many, many thousands of years, other times taking usually tens of years. But it's a process that they go through, either attempting to suppress their unloving emotions or by feeling them. They choose to do either. Yeah. Now, some of them have chosen to suppress them and others of them have chosen to feel them. Now, the ones that choose to feel them are very different in terms of the, in the sixth sphere than the ones who have chosen to suppress them. But the reality is they still have quite a lot of causal emotion revolving around God mm -hmm. and their relationship with God that they still need to address and they are refusing to address in that point, at that point. Yeah. So while they have been perfected in the expression of their love towards their fellow man, they have no perfection whatsoever when it comes to their love with God, mm -hmm. receiving or giving it. Mm -hmm. And that's what they would need to work through if they wanted to progress beyond the sixth dimension. Mm. Okay. Mm. Okay, another question from Pierre. Mm -hmm. kind of, it's a kind of a set of a three <laughs> questions that all link together. No worries. If I'm humble and in truth, mm -hmm. and if I can release my causal emotions without the help of God and get to a sixth sphere condition without God, mm -hmm. would that be called the quickest natural love process not involving God? Mm -hmm. And if God is involved, would the process be quicker or more enjoyable or more efficient? <laughs> and if so, could you explain why and how? All right, let me look at all of these things. Uh, well, do you want me to talk you back through well, them? Well, no, let's go. Yep. There, there's a, a number of interesting statements in this question. Yep. He's first saying, if I am humble and in truth, yeah, and if I can release my cause and emotions without the help of God. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're humble and in truth, you would never try to release your causal emotions without God's help. Mm. Because humility would demand that you would have God's help, <laughs> actually. Yeah. And if you were in truth, you'd realise that a lot of your causal emotions are revolving around God. Right? So, yeah, <laughs> so, so in that you're saying if you're humble, then you're going to be open to truth and new ideas and seeking that, in fact. And so Not God only that, would be you're your going to be open one. to God. Yeah. And if you're in truth, you'll be open to God. Yeah. It's only people who are not humble and not in truth that choose the natural love path. Mm -hmm. so, so, yeah. so the question sort of doesn't really make sense in a way, but we need to address the reasons why it doesn't make sense, yes. right? Yeah. So par part of it, this whole idea that you can be humble and in truth and yet not be connected with God, well, that's not true. If you're not connecting to God, you're not, in hum you're not being humble and you're not in truth. Because mm -hmm. the truth is God created the entire universe. Like you, you're missing out the biggest picture of the universe when you miss out God. Yeah. And the reality is so it's the biggest truth you're missing out, by the way. And if you're not humble, then, you, then you're not humble to every emotion. And that means you're not humble to every emotion that involves God. So, so how can you say on one hand you're humble and in truth, while at the other hand saying that you don't want to connect to God. Mm -hmm. the, the two are not in hand in hand with each other, yep. actually. 
So I think the point of the question he's asking, though, is can you go through a, you know, emotional process in order to arrive in the sixth sphere? Yes, you can. Yeah. There are many spirits who have gone through this process and they've learnt to progress quite rapidly to the sixth sphere by going through an emotional process of releasing certain emotions. Mm -hmm. But the emotions they allow themselves to release, because they're not completely humble to all emotion, yep. are the emotions that don't involve God. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so they're emotions that involve their fellow man and their relationship with fellow man and so forth. And that's why they become perfected in natural love, the love that comes out of them, but not perfected in their relationship with God. So, so it is possible to progress to the sixth dimension using two methods. One, suppressing all of your emotion, yep. which, is the which is still the preferred method by most people who, who arrive in the sixth sphere. And then there's this second method, which would be by processing through your emotion in the manners that we've described. Of course, you wouldn't be processing through the emotions relating to God. Otherwise, you would have been open to God before then yep. and you would have progressed beyond the sixth sphere. Yeah. So you're humble to certain emotions. Mm -hmm. In fact, almost all emotion except where it relates to God. Yeah, see, I wouldn't classify all emotions except where. The yeah. reality, the percentage of emotions that we have that relate, that relate to God far exceed the percentage of the emotions that we have that relate to any other being. This is the reason why we're so blocked to God. Yeah. And, and the reality is that the majority of us, if we had to analyse the percentage of emotions that are within an individual relating to other people and relating to God, it's heavily in favour of, in, when I say heavily in favour of God, what I mean is the majority of our unhealed emotions relate to God. Yeah. And a minority of our unhealed emotions relate to other people. Yeah. This is why the majority of people who have progressed to the sixth dimension have no, real, no connection with God. Yeah. And also no even connection with their own self emotionally, really. Yeah. Because they've had to suppress a large number of emotions in order pr to progress to the sixth dimension without God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what they have to do. So, so you will process the minority of your emotions by, by, you can process the minority of your emotions by going through this emotional process to become, you know, into the sixth dimension of the spirit world in terms of perfected in your natural love. But there will still be the majority of your emotions to process through after that point yeah. relating to God. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Right. And so it often yeah. takes a person many, many years after they've reached the sixth sphere to reach the seventh, if they've progressed using any method. Any method that doesn't involve that God. That doesn't involve God. Because as we progress through the spheres involving God, then we are dealing with emotions that relate to God the whole time, Correct. aren't we? Correct. And so it's almost like we're getting through the bulk of the work as we go. Correct. Whereas someone who enters the sixth sphere, they've like concerted effort, deal, become perfect in natural love, but mm. not from what you're saying, not taken into account any of these other emotions. And so Correct. this transition from six to seven is actually got pretty bulk. There's a lot of work in involved of in it. Work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's one further thing we should say about it though, and that is that the person who's progressed using their emotions to reach the sixth sphere once they begin to focus on their relationship with God, 
will probably qu progress quite rapidly towards God after that point. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is they're not shut down towards their emotions. Yeah. Whereas a person who's progressed to the sixth dimension by using their intellect primarily and, and forcing their emotions to conform to their intellect, they will struggle immensely with the progress towards God after that point because I've yet to learn the secret of emotional work. Mm -hmm. And so that as a result of that, they are going to have far more struggles after they've reached the sixth dimension to connect to God than the person who's progressed to the sixth dimension by processing through their emotions to get there. Yeah. So it would certainly be, if it'd be better for the person who's progressed through their emotions after they've reached the sixth dimension to reach the seventh than it would be for a person who hasn't processed through their emotions at all and rather suppress their emotions and control their emotions and use their intellect to dominate themselves, they are going to find it much more difficult to make the transition. Okay. Mm. If we get then to the final part of Pierre's question, mm -hmm. which is um, if God is involved, would the process be quicker or more enjoyable or more efficient? Well, yes, yes and yes. <laughs> the if process, so, why? He wants to know. Well, yeah. Well, firstly, it's, it's more enjoyable because you're receiving some of God's love while it's happening. Yeah. So there's love coming from a powerful external source that's entering your soul as you make each trip, if you like, as you make each step up the ladder of progress, you're receiving love from God. And when you receive love from God, you go through these beautiful moments of incredible peace and, and, and beautiful feelings of love as a result. And so naturally... You, you will find it far more enjoyable mm -hmm. than you would have done uh, doing it using another method without God. Yeah. So that's firstly. Secondly, he's uh, he said with, asked whether it's quicker. Of course it's quicker. Anything that involves God is going to be quicker because you've got God feeding you truth. Yes. And that means you don't have to go through an experimental process with other people or with the universe itself in order to discover that truth. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and the beauty too of receiving some of God's love is it sensitizes your heart. It turns your heart from a heart of a rock or yeah. a stone into the heart of flesh. Yeah. You know, something that's malleable, something that something can sensitive. flow into, sensitive. Yeah. And so obviously you're going to become more sensitive to truth more rapidly mm -hmm. if you progress, you know, you, with God. And then the third part of the question was um, more efficient. Well, of course it's more efficient because it involves God. Mm -hmm. You're involving the person who created everything rather than just the creation of everything. Yes. And so as a result, now that you've got some kind of direct communication occurring, albeit sporadically as you're progressing, mm -hmm. it's better than having no communication with God at all. Yeah. And naturally, it's going to be far more efficient. Mm -hmm. So the fastest thing to progression on is to engage God right from right this moment. Yeah right from this moment. So it doesn't matter whether you're in the hells or you're in the second sphere, you're in the sixth sphere, right from this moment, now that you know you can engage God, engage God in this progression and work through first all of the reasons why you're blocked towards God. Do that first. That's the most efficient thing to do because if you do that, then all these other truths will come to you and you'll easily be able to progress using that method. So, so it's very, very important to understand that the progress towards God, if it's really engaged in the way that we're teaching, it will be smoother, more efficient, more enjoyable, and quicker and easier. Yeah. 
Now, if after five years, none of those things have happened for the majority of people who are listening, it means I've not engaged the process at all. Yeah. Right? Not at all. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. There are, but that's important for them to see. You know, it's important for them to see that they've been using their intellect still. They've still got these blocks towards love, blocks towards truth, blocks towards humility. That's where they need to focus their attention. Mm-hmm. Rather than focusing their attention on any new agey philosoph- philosophical thing or focusing their attention on more analysis or focusing their attention on trying to get more truth or of some kind that's not from God but from some mystical process, fo- focusing on mysticism and, and focusing on wanting to feel good through the process, which is a part of the problem, obviously. Yes. If you want to feel good through the process, <laughs> you won't feel good very often. Um, because you're going to be using your addictions mostly and every time you engage your addictions you're going to have more pain. So, so the reality is if we involve God in a pure sense that's honest and truthful and sincere in our longings then of course we will progress very rapidly. The only reason why anybody does not progress rapidly is because they're not doing that. Mm-hmm. Right? Now I find the majority of people progress very slowly and when I say very slowly it takes them hundreds, if not thousands of years to progress. Right? The majority of people on earth in particular. It's a bit easier in the spirit world sometimes, particularly once you start reaching the second or third sphere because you, you don't, you're not surrounded by the hells all yeah. the time. And so therefore you're not influenced negatively all the time. Whereas on earth, because you're surrounded by the hells all the time, you're influenced negatively frequently unless you actually deal with things emotionally. So it's, it is sometimes harder on earth to progress but there's this other part of earth progression which is fantastic, which is you have to have a very strong desire to progress on earth to actually progress. And once you engage your desire with that power, you'll find the spirit world a breeze. <laughs> you know, you'll find it very easy. So, so there are advantages of, of each way of progressing and, and God obviously designed us to progress on the earth anyway. So my suggestion to people is to give up the concept of trying to process their emotion without involving God. You can do it if you wish, but at the end of the day, you're far better off involving God in all of these engagements. And it's the relationship with God that will keep drawing you. Mm -hmm. You know, once, if, if you don't have a relationship with God, you will not be drawn beyond the sixth dimension anyway. You will not. You'll find it very interesting and life very interesting, but it won't be the fulfilling and everlastingly progressive life that it could be. Mm. Mm. Thank you. Mm. Why do we feel happy when we're on the natural love path mm. compared to feeling the feelings of sadness and unhappiness when we decide to get on the way? <laughs> I love this question mm. because it's just so full of uh, like incorrect thinking and, and behaviour, I feel <laughs> it's like amazing. Well, the reason why you're happy on the so-called natural love path is because you're full of addiction. <laughs> that are being met. Probably. That are being met, probably. Yeah. Well, if we're happy. then And you, if you're happy and you're not at one with God, then it means that you're full of addiction. Yeah. You, you're not really happy. You're just feeling happy because all of your addictions are getting met. That's why you feel happy. So basically what that question is telling me is the person who asked it, and by the way, we've been asked this question many times by many people. Every person who asks it is totally in their addictions. And then when they get on the path to the way, God's way, of course their addictions start getting confronted. And for many people, they start becoming very unhappy about that. 
that's their anger-based response to their addictions being confronted. And it's probably a normal response if we don't have a desire to love or to have truth or have humility. So if we had a desire to be loving and receive God's love and had a desire for truth and receive God's truth, and if we had a desire to be humble and be, let others be humble, we wouldn't feel that happy with the natural love path. Mm. And in fact, we'd feel very happy about getting on the divine love path. Yeah. So it also tells us that the person asking these questions is not yet on the divine love path. All that's happened is the divine love path has triggered their addictions mm -hmm. and they feel very unhappy and they're unwilling to give up their addictions. And so they want to go back to the natural love path so that they can have their addictions met again. Yeah. And by the way, the natural love path in the end doesn't meet all of your addictions. So this is the thing. They want to stay in the hells and Mm. and think that they're happy, mm. which is very sad, actually. Because a, a person who's in this much addiction is in the hells, mm. and they want to stay in the hells rather than actually work through their addictions. And that's the crucial part, isn't it, working through the addictions? Because as soon as we begin that work and we begin to have less addictions, while we might feel unhappy um, or uncomfortable while we're working through the addiction. No, I can't you agree. You start to feel better though. Yeah, but I can't agree we'd even be unhappy, unhappy and uncomfortable working through our addictions. It's a relief to actually see your addictions. Yeah. When you, tr when you desire truth and desire love, you're relieved to see what your addictions are that are causing you to be unhappy. Unhappy and damaging others. And, and in fact, it's a beautiful process to, to actually feel, you actually feel happy. So if you're not happy on the path on the way, yeah then it's because you're unwilling to actually look at any of your addictions. And, and are living in a state of rebellion against the truth that has been presented to you, would you say Of course, that? every person yeah. who wants to live in their addictions is living in a state of rebellion yeah. to truth. Yeah. They don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to love. Mm -hmm. They're in rebellion against love as well. Mm. They don't want to love. They're in rebellion against humility. They don't want to be humble. And so while we're in rebellion to those things, we can't say that we're on the way. We're definitely not on the way. Because the way, by definition, is when we desire love. We Correct. desire truth. We desire to be humble. Correct. Yeah. So we're not yet on the way. And that's the reason why we find it so painful, because yeah. we really don't want it. Yeah. And we want to go back to the nice way that we had before, which was all about feeding our sleazy addictions. Yeah. And we love that. Yeah. And we need to be honest with that. Yeah. We need to see our addictions as sleaze. Yes. You know, there are methods of manipulating our and controlling our environment mm -hmm. and our own emotions. So that's pretty sleazy. Yeah. And, and we need to see them as such and go, okay, I don't want to do that anymore. And once you start actually having a feeling you don't want to do that anymore, you'll love the path. Yeah. You'll love the way that God's created. You, you'll enjoy it, actually. Like when I look at the two paths, I go, how can you enjoy the natural love path? You call it the natural love path, and it's not even natural love path that you're enjoying. You're just enjoying your addictions. Because yeah. the reality is, spirits who have to progress on the natural love path find it very confronting to progress because they have to still confront their addictions. Yes. They just don't have to confront as many mm -hmm. as the person who's on the path to God. Mm -hmm. Because remember I've said in previous answers, that the injuries we have surrounding God are much more extreme and, and also in terms of percentage, much higher percentage 
than the injuries we have with anything else. Mm -hmm. For that reason, we're going to find the injuries we have with God more confronting and difficult to deal with. Mm -hmm. right? But a person who's on the natural love path still has to confront all of their injuries about love and truth and humility with regard to natural love. And most of them find that extremely painful, far more painful than a person who's on the path to God. Mm. Because the beauty of being on the path to God is you receive some of God's love while you're doing it. And that's what takes away a lot of this pain that everybody thinks they're in all the time. <laughs> right? Yes. The reason why you're in pain all the time is because you're not on the path. Yeah. Right? You're not on the path yet because you haven't given up any of your addictions. You're just in rebellion about giving up your addictions. Mm. So, so honour that. Yeah. Tell yourself the truth about that and then get through that. Because that's the discomfort, isn't it? It's, that's what prolongs the, the discomfort even, is staying in the state of rebellion. Correct. Once we get out of that, we go, oh, this is a mess, I've got to do a clean up. But it doesn't <laughs> yeah. feel so bad because you no, know how to clean it up. You know how to clean it up and you're starting to clean it up so you, you're feeling better as you continue in the clean up. Yeah. And you can look back in six months and go, I've oh, progressed. I've I can progressed. feel it. I can feel more love. I'm being more loving with my neighbour, my friends, my family. I'm being more truthful with my neighbour, my friends, my family, with God, with myself. I'm, I'm feeling more of my emotions. So I feel my humility growing. It's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you? Like, I don't understand <laughs> these statements sometimes because they, but they, they do come from people who have not experienced the way. Yes. So it's almost like they're, they're a person who, who's in their addictions commenting about the way. Yes. They haven't yet got on the way. No. Because once they get on the way, they won't like their addictions anymore. No. And they'll want to d get rid of them and they'll love when they can get rid of them. A person who's asked a question like this doesn't want to get rid of their addictions. They love their addictions. And the so-called natural love path is not the natural love path at all that they're describing. They're just getting their addictions met. And the majority of paths on the earth meet a lot of addictions of people. And none of them are natural love because when they arrive in the spirit world, they'll arrive in the hells of the spirit world and they'll still have to learn about love and it, they're still going to find it painful. Yeah. And, and they're still going to have to confront all of these addictions. Yeah. But, but just not as many as addictions as they will have to confront connecting to God. Mm. That's all. Mm. <laughs> so and I feel there's a lot of false beliefs that people have about they sort of have this viewpoint that they're not going to have to confront addictions and therefore not going to have to feel pain if they're on the natural love path that's not all that's not the case at all if you're on the natural love path as it truthfully is mm. you will have a lot of pain in your progress mm. you will have a lot of pain in your progress mm -hmm. and you'll be without god going through it that's the reality the majority of people on earth who think they're on the natural love path are not on natural love path at all. They don't know anything about love at all. They are in their codependent addictions, which is not love. Yeah. And, and then when those addictions don't get met, they get all upset. Yeah. And that's an indication that they don't know how to love. Mm. Right? And that's not the natural love path. No. So don't assume that you staying in your addictions and feeling all happy is the natural love path because it is not. Yes. It is just a spiritual process, like so-called claim to spirituality yeah. process, that's feeding your addictions. Yeah. And, and you love it. We can't call it natural love then, no, as you said. No, not at all. Because yeah. the true natural love paths are paths 
that are actually learning about love. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they, they improve in love. And they're not in codependent addiction. No. And there are many, there are many things on the, on the planet that are dedicated to some form or some growth in natural love, but many um, kind of spiritual pursuits are that people label addictions. with natural love labels yes. are, do not, not natural love have at any all. love or any growth in love within yeah. them. Yeah. And the reality is that a person who's never heard of God on this planet, never heard of any na so-called natural love path, yeah. never heard of any new age mystical thing, yes. never heard of any religion, is often in a far better condition because they are not tainted, their love isn't tainted by any of those concepts or ideas. Yes. And so they are on the natural love path. Yes. Yes. They are on the natural love path more than any of all these other people are. <laughs> yeah. And when they pass into the spirit world, they pass into a better condition. That's what it was like for Frederick in the book Through the Mist, if, yes. we, if we've read that book. He did not have a religion that he adhered to. He practiced love in his day-to-day -day life. He often felt sad and he went through his sadness, but he practiced love in his day-to-day -day life. He, he longed for truth mm -hmm. in his day-to-day -day life. He was a man who was on the natural love path. Yes. He arrived at the top of the first sphere as a result. Yeah. The, his, his countrymen, most of them, all think they're following a religion, all think they are doing the right thing, they all think they believe in the right thing, they have no natural love development inside of them or very little natural love development inside of them, and so they arrive in the hells. Yeah. And then yeah. they have to progress in love. Yes. And, and then to assume that progress on the natural love path doesn't involve pain is completely incorrect. Na progress on the natural love path involves the most pain of all. <laughs> the most yeah. pain of all. Yeah. Because on the divine love path, you're receiving some of God's love and so there's less pain. Yes. Right? But on the natural love path, you're not receiving God's love and so it's going to involve the most pain of all. Mm -hmm. The majority of people on this earth are not on that path yet. Yes. They will only get on that path sometime in their future. So they're not even on the natural love path. They're in their codependent addictions and that's what makes them feel happy. Yeah. And it, it, we, we've got to emphasise that. I am, I am tired of people saying to me, oh, I've been on the natural love path and it was all good. No, you've never been on the natural love path because you're totally unloving. Yeah. <laughs> you just have had all of your addictions fed yeah. and that's what felt good. Yeah. And, that, and don't call that the natural love path because if you were really on the natural love path, you would have felt a lot of pain yeah. that you haven't felt yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, obviously when people, I find it quite amazing how people sometimes analyse all of these different things. They s seem to analyse these things through their filters of belief and, and it's totally incorrect. So, so in future, for all of those of you, of you who question me about the natural love path, mm. please understand that it's going to involve more pain than you've ever experienced in your entire life, <laughs> right, if you're really on it. And, and honestly, if you're on the divine love path, you're going to have less pain through the process because God's going to help you with your pain. And if you are happy on the so-called natural love path, you're not on any love path. You're not on any love path at all. You've never even got on a love path at this point. You're just in your codependent addictions and you're wanting your environment to meet your addictions. And that's all you're on. Yeah. And, and while you're there, you're not on a love path at all. Mm. So don't call it one. <laughs> you know, call it what it really is. 
my codependent addiction path, <laughs> my selfish narcissistic path, which is really what it is. Well, that's how we are when we live in addiction, isn't Correct, it? Correct, yeah. yeah. So if we feel we're happy when we no longer get, uh, you know, when we no longer listen to divine truth, we haven't gone back to a natural love path. Mm. We've gone back to no path at all. Mm. Mm -hmm. That's reality. Yes, mm. thank you. How do I know what are actually my feelings? Well, this is, I feel, a quite a good question, actually, yeah. because um, there are a number of different factors to it. Firstly, most of us are so detuned from our own feelings that we actually hardly feel our own feelings at all. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we're even more sensitive to the feelings of other people than we are to our, than to our own feelings. Yeah. In addition, we have spirits surrounding us and if we're sensitive or open to other people's feelings, we're also going to be very open to the feelings of people we can't see. So it's very difficult then to determine what are my feelings, what are the feelings of other people with me, and what are the feelings of other spirits with me? Yeah. And how do all of these things all mix up together? So it is very, very hard sometimes to know mm -hmm. what your feelings are when you're so desensitized to your feelings. Mm. The only way you're going to be able to discover what your own feelings are is to become more sensitive to your own feelings <laughs> and also to become more sensitive to feelings in general. Mm -hmm. So what happens to a lot of people is they try to desensitize the, to themselves to the feelings of others. But that's not the way of finding out whether things are your own feelings or other people's feelings or not there at all. Because when you desensitize one aspect of your soul, you're attempting now to suppress every aspect. And that's the principle of suppression. Yeah. So if a person looks at our human soul, how the human soul functions, FAQs, and listens about the principle of suppression, they'll learn that if you suppress one aspect of your soul, then automatically lots of other aspects of your soul are, automatic, are suppressed. Whether you like it or not. Whether you happens. like it or not. Yeah. So what you're really doing when you suppress one aspect of your soul, for example, your sensitivity to other people's emotions, is that you're also suppressing your own sensitivity to your own emotions. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do about that if you're going to choose to do that. If you do one, the other will automatically happen. Mm -hmm. Also, if you choose to become desensitized to your own emotions in order to control them, yeah. you will automatically become insensitive to other people's emotions. Mm. So the only real way of finding out what you yourself are feeling yeah. is by becoming open to the concept that you need to become more sensitive yeah. to your own emotions yeah. and feelings. Yeah. And once you become more sensitive to emotions and feelings, you will know the source of those feelings. Yeah. You will know whether those feelings are coming from you, whether they're coming from other people with you, mm -hmm. or whether they're coming from spirits that are with you mm. quite easily. Mm -hmm. But only the more sensitive you become to your own feelings yeah. will that occur. And that's the only way that you can actually become more sensitive to and, feel, to f and to feel your own feelings. So when I began the process in this life again, I was very desensitized to my own feelings. It was rare for me to feel my own feelings. As a result, I was often confused when I was interacting with others because I couldn't tell what their feelings were either. Yeah. I couldn't... I couldn't I couldn't feel their feelings properly and I couldn't feel their intentions. Whereas now that I've sensitized myself to the feelings and God's love being receiving, God's love obviously helps you sensitize yourself to feelings. Yes. It softens up your heart to yeah. feelings. Once that happens, 
you become more sensitive to everyone's feelings around you. You know what they're feeling, you know what they're thinking even. You know the emotions they're holding on to and suppressing. You even know where they came from. And you also know the same about yourself. Mm-hmm. And you know the same about spirit, with spirits you can't, people you can't even see, spirits. You know the same sort of information. And so this is going to help you immensely in your life determining what's the right course of action in any situation. Mm-hmm. Because you will know, because you're sensitive emotionally, the feelings of everybody in the situation. Mm-hmm. Mm. So what we need to do basically in answer to this question is learn how to become more sensitive to our own feelings. Yeah, because the, sen- the question could actually be asked two ways, couldn't mm-hmm. it? How do I know what are actually my feelings? Like, so how do it could be read, how do I know what my feelings are? Correct. Or how do I know what are my feelings In as versus opposed other people. to other people? And the answer to both questions is the same. Yeah. By becoming more sensitive to feelings. Yes. So that's how you know. Yeah. And it's not about using your intellect. It's not about, you know, trying to use your mind to work out where it's coming from, what's going on. That will automatically occur once you're more sensitive to your feelings. So the key is to open up to the sensitivity of your feelings. And how do we do that? Well, we've talked many times about that. There's hundreds of questions we've carried about that. But primarily, again, there's three ways. You become open to being loved and wanting to love. You become open to receiving truth and wanting truth. And you become open to your own emotions. And you do this with God. Mm -hmm. And that's how you... And if you receive God's love, you will become very soft very rapidly and you'll change quite markedly. And as a result, you'll be very sensitive to everybody's feelings, including your own. (laughs) Great. Thank you. (laughs) Do we need to think about a situation in order to get in contact with the feelings associated with that situation? Well, it's interesting the words chosen in this question. The the words chosen is, do we need to think about a situation in order to get in contact with the feelings of the situation? Now, if we had changed those words to, if we want to feel about the situation, we will get in <laughs> to feeling the feelings about the situation. You see, you see, the whole concept of needing to do something yeah. is usually driven by an underlying desire that you don't really want mm-hmm. to do it, but right. you feel that you have to. That you must. You fact. feel you must. Yeah. So, yes, the answer to this question is yes, of course. You do need to think about a situation in order to get in contact with the feelings about the situation. Because if you don't think about the situation, yes. if you don't want to think about the situation, you will already be in denial emotionally of the situation and therefore unable to feel the feelings associated with the situation. <laughs> <laughs> so the fact that you're saying the fact that we're not already thinking about it means that we want to suppress it. Correct. Yep. And, we're, and even asking ourselves the question, do I need to mm-hmm. do something, is telling me that I don't want to. Yes, I see what you're saying. And what I'm saying to people is that unless you want to feel about a situation, you will not think about the situation. (laughs) It's all very (laughs) intellectual. Um, What about times when you know you just have a feeling, Mm -hmm. you, you attract something and you find yourself grieving or shaking or whatever you're having an emotional response that's obviously related to a situation that's not the one in front of you no but the one in front of you has triggered you yes so you're thinking about that situation you're allowing the thought of that situation 
Okay, yes. You see, see what I'm saying? saying yeah. so, so a person starts feeling when they allow the thought of a situation. Unfortunately, most of the time, they only allow the thought of the current situation, yeah. the one that's triggered them. Yeah. They don't allow the thought of all the situations in their history yeah. that have triggered the same emotion yeah. that they stored. So this is part of our problem. And the reason why they don't allow the thought of all of these situations in the past that have triggered this same emotion is because they don't want to. Mm -hmm. So yes, they need to, mm -hmm. but they don't want to. So mm -hmm. needing to doesn't help you. No. <laughs> <laughs> you need to get to the point where you want to, yeah. where you want to feel about the situations and want to think about them. So in other words, many of us have many childhood situations that we want to forget. We do need to remember them, mm -hmm. but we want to forget them. So what's going to happen? We're going to forget them. Yeah. And until such a point in time that we want to remember them, yeah. that will remain. Now, the law of attraction is going to bring us events that cause us to trigger the memory of those situations. So in other words, there'll be something that happens in the current day which will cause us to remember a similar situation that happened in our past. Mm -hmm. But if I want to forget it, obviously I will not get to it. Yeah. And, I, and so, yes, you do need to, but the real question is not, should I need to? It's, I need to know how to want to. Yeah. How do I, how do I change the want to? That's the real question. Because we've spoken in other discussions recently about how the... Thoughts are driven by emotions. So mm. if we're not naturally thinking about something or if we're invested in avoiding thinking of something, then there's an emotion... Saying, I don't want to Saying, think I don't want to. So that's what you're saying we need to deal with. Correct. Yep. So, so rather than worrying about whether I need to think about something, mm -hmm. I need to ask myself the question, why don't I want to think about it? And that would be more productive. The mm. problem with asking or telling myself that I need to do something is quite often all that does is remind me of how resistive I am to doing <laughs> it. <laughs> and feel like it's a duty. And, and feel like it's a duty. Yeah. And then just feel really blur. Yeah, yeah, and feel like someone else is manipulating you and controlling you. Yeah. And, and, you know, often it's your own definitions of what's right and wrong, manipulating, controlling you, but you feel like you have to do something when you don't really want to do it. It's a bit, it's a li it's a bit like a man, you, you know, you, you often hear of these situations where the man's walking down the street and he checks out a woman even though he's walking alongside his wife, right, and he's mm -hmm. checking out another woman. Well, he wants to. Now, he might think, oh, it's terrible I did that, I need to change. Yeah. But does he want to? And if he really wants to, he'll find out why. He does why that. He did it, yeah. what, what inside of him causes him to feel drawn to do that? Yeah. He'll want to do that. Yeah. So he'll want to think about those situations. He won't feel that he has to. Mm -hmm. He won't feel like he needs to. He'll feel like he wants to. Yeah. And this is what we need to do in all these things. When we go, I need to, we're not really changing anything in our soul. Mm. Once we start feeling like we want to, and not telling ourselves we want to, but feeling like we want to, things change very rapidly. Yeah. And this is the main reason why most people don't change, is because they're trying to do the need, what they think they need to do, but they're not working on why they don't want to do it. Yeah. And what I suggest to people instead, work on why you don't want to do the right thing. Yeah. Work on why you don't want to love. 
why you don't want to give love, why you don't want to receive it, why you don't want to hear the truth, why you don't want to tell the truth. Work on why you don't want to be humble to your emotions and why you don't want to let other people be humble to theirs. Mm -hmm. Work on that. Because when you work on why you don't want to, you will eventually want to. And then when you want to, things will change. But if you keep telling yourself, I have to, or I need to, nothing will change. Mm. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Thank you. Thanks. Why does life often feel so helpless and empty? Yeah, so I find this question, it was quite sad to read the question because I can feel the emotions of the person who wrote it and they do feel that their life is helpless and empty. Hopeless and empty. Helpless it is actually. Yeah, I helpless might have and misspoken. Hopeless. Yeah, yeah, and empty. And so what I would like to do is just talk about some of the reasons why that's the case. Firstly, if our life feels hopeless and empty or helpless and empty, the first reason why is we're not feeling love. Mm. So we're not f open to feeling God's love and we're not open to loving ourselves. So, so there is an issue with our belief systems there is an issue with what we believe in. When we believe in things that are false and we accept the false as true, in other words, we accept the false masquerading as truth, we often feel hopeless, helpless and empty. Mm. When we start accepting the truth, we start to feel very hopeful. And, and this, is a sub this is the result of this beautiful connection with God that we can develop. It can give us hope, hope that we didn't have before. And in particular, hope that there is love, that, there, that love is available to us and we can experience it. So people who feel helpless, empty and, uh, and hopeless are often also feeling unloved. Mm. And uh, they feel that nobody cares about them and nobody loves them, which is not actually not true. The truth is that God cares about them and loves them. They probably also have a spirit guide who cares about them and loves them. The problem is that they just can't feel them. So the real problem is that they are blocked to the reception of love. Mm. So a person who is in this condition needs to open themselves to the reception of love. Mm -hmm. And often they are very resistive to doing so. They also need to open themselves to the reception of truth. And they are often also very resistive to doing that. Mm -hmm. In other words, they wish to remain in a hopeless or helpless condition because they don't want to have to make a personal effort to get out of that condition. Mm -hmm. They want somebody else to come along and rescue them from that condition. Mm -hmm. Now God waits for us to desire to get out of a condition before he sends someone to our rescue. So unless there is a real desire in us to get out of that condition, we will not be rescued from that condition. So we need to ask ourselves whether we sincerely wish to get out of that condition or we have become addicted to feeling hopeless and helpless and empty mm -hmm. as a way of avoiding our life mm. and a way of avoiding our experience and a way of avoiding ourselves and the environment in which we live. Yeah. And most people who feel these emotions are avoiding those four things. So what I would recommend to people who are feeling these particular feelings is to focus firstly on the fact that there is love available to, for them from God and also from their spirit guide, even if no one else on earth loves them. Right? There is truth available to them if they want to hear it. Mm -hmm. 
but they're going to have to exercise a desire to get out of this addiction to feeling helpless and hopeless and a desire to know the truth. They're going to have to exercise a personal effort. They can't wait until somebody comes and rescues them because nobody will rescue them until they have a desire to get out of their condition. Mm -hmm. And I would encourage them to do those things. Mm. Now, usually that is again an exercise of will. Mm -hmm. When we are addicted to being feeling hopeless or helpless or addicted to feeling like nobody is going to come and rescue us and nobody really cares, there are usually very strong addictions that we have mm -hmm. that we need to give up. And oftentimes we're very unwilling to give them up. So one of the things we will need to focus on is why is it that we wish to hold on to these concepts of the world and why is it we wish to believe something that is not true? Mm. Because God, the greatest being in the universe, loves us and therefore we are loved. Yeah. And therefore nothing is hopeless or helpless and we don't need to feel empty. Yeah. So I would encourage people to examine why they feel addicted to such emotions rather than actually being open to the reception of the truth, which is that God really does love them. God's got an immense amount of truth that God wants to share with them. And once they receive that truth, they're going to feel very hopeful. <laughs> they're going to be able to be in a position not only to help themselves, but help others. Yeah. And they won't feel empty ever again. Yeah, I know from my own experience, uh, when I feel empty, it's usually because I've gone into so much suppression in avoidance of deep fears and terrors. Correct. Uh, that I just, I don't believe, I have the false beliefs that I can't handle. And so I suppress, the effort required in suppressing that suppresses absolutely everything, everything else <coughs> mm -hmm. and it is empty it feels like an empty existence because there is no mm. energy in motion there's no emotion flowing anywhere but let's instead of focusing on what it feels like yeah. let's focus on what caused it which is which was as you said the desire to suppress mm -hmm. some emotion mm -hmm. so a person often feels hopeless helpless and empty because they desire to suppress how they really feel they don't want to feel the pain mm -hmm. of how they really feel so they prefer hopeless, helpless and empty. Yeah. This is why I say it's an addiction. Yes. Because it's yes. a way, a method that we use to avoid more painful emotions. Yeah. And a person who's going through these particular things needs to be honest about this as an addiction mm. and see it as an addiction rather than seeing it as some kind of external thing that's going to change, that's going to cause them to get out of that condition. Yeah. So to recap what you've said, mm -hmm. you said... Feeling helpless, hopeless and empty. Is an addiction. It's an addiction. Yes. It, also, it comes from a belief in things that are false. It comes from believing things that are not true. That are not true. You know, and particularly believing things about love that are not true. That are not true. And so there's a, this lack of desire to feel love, to feel unloved, to feel all of these emotions surrounding love. Yes. You mentioned. And to face the truth about love. Face the truth that you weren't loved in mm -hmm. your childhood but also face the truth that God loves you. Yes. That there's two truths there, you know, yeah. that you need to face. You might not have been loved by people on earth, but God loves you. Mm -hmm. So somebody does love you and you need to be open to that truth. Most people aren't open to that truth who yeah. feel these emotions yeah. because they want to not feel an emotion. Yeah. They don't want to feel the pain of not being loved. Yeah. So that's why these emotions are addictions. They're not real emotions. Yeah. They're not causal emotions. 
they are emotions that we create because we wish to avoid causal emotions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, great. So it's about addiction and avoidance, really. Yes. Yeah. And while I have compassion for people who feel hopeless, helpless and empty, and I have in the past gone through those emotions to mm. an extreme degree, I had to come to terms with the fact that it was all about me wanting to hold on to certain addictions where I wanted to believe nobody cared, nobody loved me and, and so yeah. forth. And also I was unwilling to feel True. when certain people yeah. didn't love me. Yeah. I was unwilling to feel the grief associated with that, the grief of loss, if mm. you like. And I, once I worked through the grief of loss and the grief, and, and also worked through receiving the truth that God st still loved me, yeah. then I got out of the hopeless, helpless feelings yes. and I no longer felt empty. Yeah. I, I felt positive and I felt like I had something to live for. Yeah, and that's a fantastic example for everyone. Yeah. The fact that you've done that. Yeah, and I feel that there are many people who will be attracted in the future to divine truth, who do feel initially hopeless, helpless and empty. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but if they follow my advice and, and instead, of, instead of getting angry about it, yeah. um, they will find that they'll be able to see it as an addiction yeah. and start to recognise the truth about, you know, the fact that they are loved mm -hmm. and also recognise the truth that they need to just feel some pain. They need to let themselves feel some pain. Mm -hmm. And if they let themselves feel and become sensitive to this pain, they'll actually feel also some pleasure. Because mm -hmm. at the moment when we go into this heavy suppression, which is a person who feels these emotions always goes into, they are suppressing every part of the soul. Yeah. So you're not going to feel pleasure or pain once you start suppressing your pain. Yeah. And this is a principle that people need to keep in mind. Yeah. And, and I'd suggest that people who are listening to this answer need to examine how the human soul functions and particularly look at the areas of suppression mm -hmm. because it's the area of suppression that causes us to go into these states where we feel hopeless, helpless and empty, which are addictive states to assist us in the suppression mm -hmm. and help, it helps us avoid the deep pain that's underneath the suppression. Yeah. We need to go into this pain and release it if we're ever going to be happy and hopeful. <laughs> and have a full life. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Our next question is from someone called John. And he asks, It seems to me that it is my will that holds my attention in my body when it desperately wants to escape out into some addiction, spirit or thought. Mm -hmm. Is not therefore any practice that strengthens my will helpful to eventually hold my attention in my body when it wants to escape when intense emotions are rising? Mm -hmm. And is this not why those who get to the sixth sphere on thought control alone mm -hmm. and then go back to the third when they start feeling their emotions then progress more rapidly than those who haven't first learnt thought control. Because they've developed a certain strength of will to hold their attention in their body. The will directs the attention, focus, mm -hmm. as the neck turns the head, eyes. Which is why God called rebellious Israel stiff-necked. <laughs> to explain that reference because sure. I don't know it. Sure. The question is, mm -hmm. does not the natural love pass mm -hmm. or thought control requiring a great deal of will 
then become helpful in eventually holding the attention on causal emotions. Yes, uh, well, John, you're pretty, it's a pretty complicated question and I need it to is. go through the question with you because there are quite a number of false beliefs that you have about the use of the will coming from the intellect, for example, and also about progression from the sixth sphere into the divine love path. Mm -hmm. In addition, there's quite a lot of false beliefs about what the natural love path actually is. Yeah. So, so in addition to that, you have some truth <laughs> mixed yeah. in with all of your question as well. Uh -huh. And so what we'd like to do is dissect it a bit so that we can dissect what's truthful and what isn't. Firstly, let's focus on the natural love path. Quite often people are referring to the natural love path as an exercise of the intellect. No, the natural love path is a path of learning how to love mm -hmm. naturally. <laughs> in other words, learning how to love from your soul. Learning how to love other people and learning how to love yourself. So while God is not involved on the natural love path, the love is definitely involved mm -hmm. and therefore emotions are also involved in learning how to love. So people who learn how to love and progress on the natural love path will progress. If a person does not learn how to love, it does not matter how much they use their intellect, they will not progress on the natural love path. As I've said in previous answers to previous questions, they're not on any path at all mm -hmm. towards love. So using your intellect doesn't mean you're on the natural love path because you can use your intellect and not be on any path at all mm -hmm. when it comes to love. So we need to make sure there is a separation between <coughs> our concept of the intellect and our concept of the natural love path. Mm -hmm. The natural love path is all about learning how to love. It doesn't involve God, but it certainly does involve learning how to love from your heart people around you and learning how to receive love and learning how to give love to yourself. Yep. So it's an essential part of your progress, whether you, whether you progress towards God or not. If you want to be happy, you're going to have to learn how to love. And it, while it may involve your intellect, it is not the result of the involvement of your intellect. It is the result of you learning and feeling love. Uh -huh. That's how you progress on the natural love path. Yeah. So we, know, we need to be very specific about that. Secondly, there is a misinterpretation in his question about the use of will. Mm -hmm. John is basically suggesting that the use of your will comes from your intellect, mm -hmm. and that is not true. The will is, a, is an expression of the soul, yeah. and the intellect is just a tool that the soul uses to express its will. Mm -hmm. so, the, so the use of will is a soul development tool. Mm -hmm. It's not an intellectual development tool. Mm -hmm. It's not something we can intellectually develop either. And yes, a person who progresses intellectually in love and finishes up growing in love without God is having to have an extreme use of their will to do so mm -hmm. over many, usually hundreds, if not thousands of years. So of course, they do now know how to use their will. Uh-huh. That is true. So there is development. There in is development in the soul yes. of the use of will. Mm -hmm. And the use of will has to be developed whether you're on the natural love path or on the path to God. You must learn how to use your will properly. Well, 
on that point, I can use my will to shut down my emotions you really can. strongly and I can develop the use of my will in that way. That's not going to help me though because... It may help you if you shut down the emotions that are negative in the use of your will in the sense of how you become more expressive with your love. Oh yeah, no, I'm Do sorry. You see what I I'm mean, saying? It's not going to help me when I then decide that I want to focus on causal emotions. My will is already, it's not, will is not a tool that we just put a task in front of and say, go do that it thing. It can be, it can okay. be. So it can be a tool that you put a task in front of and say, this is how I wish to use my will. Yes, mm -hmm. it can be. Mm -hmm. And that is a soul-based function. So the, the use of your will is a soul-based function. It is mm -hmm. a feeling that comes with it. And when the feeling is there, your will will be very strong. So for example, if you have a strong feeling and many spirits who are on the natural love path develop a very strong feeling that they want to love. Mm -hmm. They learn usually by the time they've passed into the second dimension, the second sphere of the spirit world, they've learned that the way to progress is to become more loving. Mm -hmm. And so what they do is they feel that they want to love. They, they, they want to love. And that's coming from their soul. It's not coming from their intellect. Yes. So what they now do is they now use their intellect to suppress the emotions that cause them to be unloving mm -hmm. and highlight the emotions that cause them to be loving. Mm -hmm. So they're basically using their intellect to select their emotions. Mm -hmm. And as they do that, the emotions that they deny the expression of get pushed aside and, and pushed down. Mm -hmm. So therefore they become less powerful. And the emotions they allow to go, which are all to do with emotions regarding love, they allow to be expressed. And so what happens naturally is there is this sort of uh, widening gap between the emotions they no longer allow because they know they're unloving and the emotions they allow because they know they're loving. Mm -hmm. And so they are actually progressing in the soul, not with their intellect. They yes. are using their intellect to progress but there is actual soul progression in love. Mm -hmm. The only reason why they've gotten to the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth and sixth dimension is because there has actually been a soul progression in love. Mm -hmm. Not because they've used their intellect to love, mm. but there has to have been a soul progression in love. Yep. But it's a soul progression in this one aspect of love and, or the, the, the aspects of natural love. In other words, the love that comes out of them towards other people and the love that they allow from other people into them and the love that they have for themselves. They have grown in the expression of those particular things and become more loving naturally in those things. So when they've reached the sixth sphere, they at least know what it means to be loving to other people. You see, the average person who's in the first sphere doesn't know that. They don't know what it means to be loving to other people. Yeah. They have no idea. So the average person who hears about divine love or natural love in the first sphere has no idea what's being talked about because mm -hmm. in both cases they just think it's addiction that's being talked about. And so they have a, a deep confusion about love. Whereas a spirit who's progressed to the sixth dimension does no longer confused about natural love. They are completely in harmony with the expression of natural love in their soul. Not just in their mind, but in their soul. They love being loving to other people. They love being loving to themselves. Mm -hmm. They have a desire in their heart to do so. Yeah, so their soul has progressed. So their soul said. has progressed. Yep. And their soul has progressed using different techniques than what we would normally use if we we're on the path to God. But it's still progressed. 
right? even though it might have taken many hundreds or thousands of years, it has still progressed. The soul has actually had to make changes in love. Right? Yeah. And that has not, while it's been helped by the intellect, it has not been controlled or forced by the intellect because there has to have been things that have happened inside of the soul to make the change. And the use of their will is one of those things. They've had to exercise a very strong will to actually no longer feel and act upon emotions that are unloving and to only feel and act upon emotions that are loving. Mm -hmm. So this is where they're still harming themselves in a way because they're suppressing a whole group of emotions. Yeah. But they're at least acting upon the emotions that are loving, which they was, was not what they were doing when they're in the first sphere or in the hells, or probably when they were on earth. Mm. They're having to act in harmony with love. They're wanting to love. So it's like a person here on earth deciding, well, I want to love animals, so I'm not going to eat meat anymore. Now, even though they may have a feeling they want to eat meat, mm -hmm. They've decided with their intellect that it's not loving to eat meat because that's not loving to animals. And they want to love, so they use their will, which is actually a function of the soul, yeah. to force themselves to eat a certain way so that they become more loving. And in the process of that, they forget what it's like to eat meat. Mm -hmm. And so eating of meat becomes a forgotten practice. And, they, and sometimes, though, there'll be emotions associated with eating meat which makes them smell the meat or whatever, and they go, oh, I'd like some of that. But, but it's a fleeting thing. It, they, they, it passes away because of their strong desire, their strong use of their will, that they want to do the right thing, do the loving thing. Mm -hmm. And you do have to exercise that kind of willpower, whether you're on the divine love path or on the natural love path. Mm. You must develop the exercise of your will. Yeah, and that's, I suppose, what I'm finding interesting is the idea that we can develop will and that is distinct from the emotions that, that motivate will. Correct, That, that is a quality within itself, <laughs> Correct. the development of will. And these come and from the soul, so therefore they are driven by emotions. So the development of will is not an intellectual process. It can be assisted by your intellect but it's not an intellectual process. There's going to have to be changes in your soul for your will to be fully engaged. Specifically related just to the use of will, not yes. necessarily about how you want to use your will. Correct. Mm. It's just, so uh, the reality is that some people on earth who use their will in terribly uh, vindictive and, and evil ways, once they learn divine truth, they then use their will to the same extreme in yes. that. Yes. And they so they progress very rapidly yeah. because they are used to using their will in this very powerful manner, mm. right? And then there's other people on earth uh, who, who basically go, oh, I don't really care, like I don't really care about anything. They never use their will at all. And often they take years, hundreds, thousands of years to progress because they're not used to engaging the use of their will, yeah. either negatively or positively. Yeah. They just are like apathetic. And as a result of their apathy, they have no developed will. Mm -hmm. They don't know. And they go along with whatever anybody suggests to them as a result. And that's how they live the rest of their life, yeah. going along with everything without doing anything. It's the people who powerfully use their will who find progression the easiest. Right? So you've got to powerfully engage the operation of your will, whether you're on the natural love path or on the divine love path. In you, if you're on the natural love path, you will powerfully engage your will to become a loving person 
with the way, way you express and receive love towards yourself and others. If you're on the divine love path, you'll powerfully use your will to engage this loving relationship with God as well as do what the person on the natural love path does, engaging their will to become more loving with other people. Mm -hmm. This is how you will engage your will. So now that we've clarified that yes. and we examine the question again, we can see where there's errors in the concepts. So it, John is saying, it seems to me that it is my will that holds my attention in my body. Yes, it is his will that yep. holds his attention in his body. And when it desperately wants to escape out into some addiction, some spirit interaction or thought, it's his will that keeps him back into the emotions that are present within him and into his body. Yeah. I agree. He says, is not therefore any practice that strengthens my will helpful to eventually hold my attention in my body? Yes, it is. Yeah. Anything that helps you strengthen the operation of your will is a soul-based progression. It is definitely going to help you to progress even if you're going to feel, whether you want to feel emotions or not, it's going to help you progress. So can we talk about that in terms of ways to strengthen our will? Well, because I we feel that's a completely different question, perhaps. Okay. Like I feel we need to ask that maybe as the next question. Or like how do I strengthen my will is okay. a good question. Yep. And, and it needs to be answered directly. But I feel firstly we need to answer this question. We need to acknowledge, yes, that... There are practices and any practice that helps you strengthen your will is definitely going to be helpful in your progression in love, whether that progression in love is on the natural love path or on the divine love path. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. It will help you progress in love. Now, this is where he goes wrong with his reasoning. He says, and is this not why those who get to the sixth fear on thought control alone? No, nobody gets to the sixth fear on thought control alone. There must be a soul-based exercise of their will to become more loving to get to the sixth fear. Yes. So it's a soul-based interaction to become more loving from a natural perspective, to become more loving with my brothers and sisters and with myself. Not loving with God, but loving with myself. And so, so the way I have got to the sixth fear is not by thought control alone, mm -hmm. but rather by using my will in a very strong way to deny all of my unloving emotions and, and engage all of my loving ones. That's what I've done to get to the sixth dimension. And so I have learned, if I've got to that stage, to use my will quite strong. Yes. Now, if I've used my will in that regard to feel emotion as well, then I am well tuned to receive information about God. But if I've used my will to deny certain emotions, I am going to find it very, very difficult to use my will to do the opposite thing because I've become addicted to, divide, to putting down emotion. Mm -hmm. and, and so it's n we can't presume that a person who's in the sixth sphere will find it easy to go back to the third sphere and then progress on the divine love path because that is not the case at all. The majority of our emotional injuries revolve around God. So therefore, um, and also by the way, the all of those injuries are emotional. Yes. And if I'm used to denying the emotion rather than accepting it and receiving it and working my way through it, mm -hmm. or I'm used to denying God, I'm going to find switching over from the natural love path to the divine love path very, very difficult. You can't assume that every six-fifth spirit finds it easy 
to go back to the third sphere and onwards. In fact, the majority I've spoken to find it almost impossible to do that. Mm -hmm. So we can't assume that they find it easy. Mm -hmm. However, they do have a very good exercise of their will. And when they do decide yes. to start feeling their emotion, and when they do decide to really give it a go... Yeah, but that's not a thought either. That's not a thought either. That's yeah. a feeling. Yeah. When they decide in their heart that they really want to do this and really want to give it a go, then they have a tendency to progress quite well, yeah. no matter what their background. Right? And, and if they have the additional problem of, not, of suppressing their negative emotion, then they'll have a lot of difficulty unsuppressing those emotions. Mm -hmm. They'll have a lot of difficulty reversing what they've done for many hundreds, if not thousands of years. It is difficult to reverse those processes. And sometimes the only way to help them is to take them back to their life on Earth so they have a reconnection with some of those very hard and unloving things that happened to them in their Earth life before they reconnect with some of those things emotionally. Yeah. So he says now, they've because they've developed a certain strength of will to hold their attention in the body. Yes, they have, but it's not by thought control. Yes. It's by feeling control. They want to feel these things. They have a desire to feel these things that are so intense that they're willing to override certain feelings mm -hmm. in preference for loving feelings. Mm -hmm. they're, un they're willing to override unloving feelings and suppress them in preference to having loving feelings. Yep. Right? Of course, when they do this, they don't understand the law of suppression in the soul. Mm -hmm. And they also don't understand the law of dominance in the soul. The principles of dominance and suppression mean that if I suppressed, other emotions will be suppressed. So they don't feel pleasure as much as they could. Yep. In addition, because they, the uh, stuff we don't feel is dom dominating our soul, they don't realise how raw some of the emotions are that they've now suppressed. So they don't realise those things either and they have to come to terms with that. Yeah. And usually a person comes to terms with that in the third dimension or the third sphere and so this is why they go back to the third sphere to learn those particular aspects of the soul. Mm -hmm. right. Now he's saying the will directs the attention, yes, but it's the will coming from the soul, not the mind as he's, as he's assuming. Yeah. Right. So will coming from the soul directs the attention and turns the neck if they, if they like. Um, now, the whole question about God calling rebellious stiff neck was all about their arrogance and their pride and their mm. unwillingness to actually um, turn in another direction than mm. the direction they were already going. So in other, in other words, the comment made to the nation of Israel in the Bible was all about their lack of humility from yeah. God's perspective yeah. and not about the issue of their will. Uh -huh. Right? Yeah. Now... The question he's asking is, does not the natural love path or thought control? Now, he's now putting together natural love path and thought control. Do not do this. <laughs> natural love path is about progressing in love, yep. in your soul. Now, that you can use your thoughts to do so, but that has to also come from an exercise of the will in the soul to do so. So there are progressions that have to occur in the soul, even on the natural love path. Mm -hmm. So it's not just thought control. Now, of course, the natural love path has domin is dominated by people with lots of thoughts yeah. as a result of this suppression and dominance processes. They are trying to suppress the dominant negative emotions 
And so what they've got to use is an extreme amount of their will to control the thinking about their negative emotions. Yes. So now they do have to have some sort of control, but that's not the reason why they got to the sixth fear. Mm -hmm. They got to the sixth fear because their soul actually changed in love. Yes. There was a feeling change inside of them about love, mm -hmm. and that's what caused them to grow. Mm -hmm. so, so that obviously did require a great deal of will. Then he's asking whether the, whether the natural love path is helpful in eventually holding the attention on the causal emotions. No, it's not helpful. Mm. Because a person could have got there by suppressing attention on causal emotions. All he had to do was exercise his will to love, yes. not to feel everything. Yeah. That's all he had to do. Yeah. So it doesn't mean then that he's guaranteed, once he gets to the sixth dimension, that he's going to find it easy to no longer suppress those emotions that he's been suppressing for many hundreds, if not thousands of years. He's going to find it hard yeah. to undo that suppression. Yes, because there's the will and then there's the other emotions that motivate the will. Correct. And so while the will might be strongly developed through this whole process that... To love. To love. The um, will is also strongly developed in the process to avoid any unloving emotion. Yes, so the reason the will is directed towards suppression has to change in order for the power of the will to be harnessed. Correct. Yeah. And this is why many six fear spirits find it very, very difficult. Yes. Because they now having to exercise their will, which they've been exercising in one direction for many hundreds, if not thousands of years, mm -hmm. towards their cer certain types of emotions. They now have to exercise their will in a completely different direction with those same emotions. Yeah. And this is like, for, for, for many of them beginning that process, it's like trying to find a needle in the haystack. Of course, there's usually hundreds of suppressed emotions, because the, most of the emotions we're suppressing when we're on the natural love path have to do with God. Mm -hmm. So there's all those emotions all festering within the soul, all causing the dominance of the will in a certain direction to be without God in your progression. Yeah. And, and all of those have to be undone if you want to progress towards God. Yeah. So this is where, why six fear spirits find it very much more difficult than John is assuming. Yes. The reality is some six fear spirits, and it's those spirits who have not suppressed emotion so much, who will find it easier than the ones who have used a lot of controlled will mm -hmm. in order to suppress their negative, unloving emotions. The people who have used a lot of controlled will to suppress all of their negative and unloving emotions will find it very difficult to make the first steps on the path to God. Mm -hmm. And they always finish up reverting back to thoughts. Mm -hmm. It's like trying to convince a person to try an experiment when they want to talk about the experiment <laughs> all, <laughs> for the rest of their life. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't want to try it because they don't see any advantage in trying it because they've never felt the advantage of trying it. Yeah. And it's, try it's like trying to get a person to be childlike and just have the experience and see what the results were without their intellect being engaged. And it's a very, very difficult process often to convince a six-fear spirit to make that choice. Yeah. But it's a very, very good question for our six-fear spirit friends. Yes. Because many of them will need to, at some point, go through this process where they now use their will no longer to suppress the unhealed negative emotions that are unloving, but rather to work through the reasons why those emotions still remain within their soul. Mm. And that requires, it does require an extreme amount of their will to do so. But many of them have used their will in positive directions in the past. Yeah. 
So there's no reason why they can't use their will in a positive direction with this particular aspect of the soul as well. Yeah. And just to recap, you've said the will originates in the soul and it's a not a thought control process. Correct. And it can so engage the thoughts, mm -hmm. but in the it has to begin with a desire in the soul. Yep. Yep. So we can't confuse the will or the natural love progression with the process of thought control. Correct. And the two com they're all completely independent things. Yep. So that's one thing. The second thing you've pointed out is that the development of will, the strengthening of will can be helpful when the motivation or when the emotions um, that motivate the will are in a positive direction or a direction Correct. towards God. So, so you could say that a person who's on the natural love path has used their will in a, in a partially positive direction in that they have used their will to become more loving towards themselves and to other people. That's a beautiful use of their will. Mm -hmm. But they haven't yet used their will to become in a relationship with God in a loving way. Yeah. So they haven't used their will in that direction. Yeah. Yep. They've also used their will to suppress their negative thoughts and feelings. Mm -hmm. And that's another way that they've used their will in a destructive way for their own soul. Yep. So gotcha. they have to undo those particular aspects of how they've used their will, yeah. which is often difficult if you've been doing that for many thousands of years. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And probably the guts of John's question is really about feeling that strengthening his will which he believes is thought control, is going to help him with his causal emotions. Yes. If he, if he understands that strengthening your will isn't about thought control, mm -hmm. it's about feeling the desire to strengthen your will in yeah. a certain direction. It's about a feeling that's happening from the soul. If he just focuses on that, yes, the answer to that question is yes. If you strengthen your will, and there are certain techniques that you can do, you can, there's all sorts of things you can do to strengthen your will. Uh-huh. Um, if you strengthen your will, you'll do well on the divine love path because every person who's on the divine love path has to have a strong will. <laughs> <laughs> Just like every person on the natural love path has to have a strong will. Yeah. Because to become more loving, you're going to have to use your will to do so, mm. whether it be with God or with, you know, by yourself becoming more loving with the love that's coming out of yourself. Mm. So, yes. The use of will is extremely important, but it's not thought control. Yeah. It, it is based upon feelings of want to use your will in that direction. And having those feelings develop so strongly that they motivate your thoughts to do so. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Great. How do we strengthen our will? Well, you'll notice with all of these discussions about emotions that we've had, all of them so far we've talked about a lot to talk about the use of our will. Mm -hmm. And so it makes sense then that we're going to have to use our will in certain directions. If I first can mention the directions in which we need to use our will, if we're going okay. to progress in, towards God, we're going to need to use our will to receive God's love. Mm -hmm. We're going to need to use our will to give God love. Mm -hmm. We're going to need to use our will to, to receive love from others. And we're going to need to use our will to give love to others. We're going to need to use our will to become a more loving person. Mm -hmm. We're going to be needing to be using our will so that we receive more truth, so that we love truth. So seeking truth. We would need to use our will to seek truth. Yeah. We wouldn't want to oppose truth. 
we'd also want to use our will to tell the truth, to speak the truth, both to ourselves and to other people. We don't want to fool ourselves with lies, nor do we want to deceive other people with lies. So we'd want to tell the truth to ourselves and to others, and we'd have to use our will to do that. And we're going to have to use our will to become more humble individuals, and even use our will to allow other people to be humble around us. So that's a lot of exercise of our will yeah. that we're going to need to engage. So the question then becomes, how do I engage my will mm -hmm. in appropriate ways? Well, there are a number of things that you need to do to engage your will, I feel. The first thing I feel is that at some point you need to see the benefits of doing so. And the only thing that really helps you see the benefits of doing so is hearing God's truth on a matter. So, so at some point, God's truth will convince us enough. It's like getting to know the truth about God and about the universe will convince us enough that we need to engage our will in a certain direction. Mm -hmm. It's like any relationship. So if I wanted to have a relationship with you and I just saw you over the other side of the, wheel, uh, of the room, yeah. I would have to use my will to walk over and speak with you yes. if I wanted to get to know more about you. Uh -huh. I would, if I wanted to love you and express my love towards you, I'd have to use my will to do so. Yeah. You would have to allow me to express that will in order to receive it. Yeah. Like So if I wanted to give you a hug, you'd have to allow me to give you a hug, otherwise yeah. you wouldn't get one. Right? Yeah. So can you see there's a lot of ways in which we could use our will, and, and I have to see the truth of it first. Mm -hmm. I have to see the truth that I need to take some personal action if I want to receive the benefits. There is no magical solution here where someone will come along and make my will change. It is my will. Yeah. I'm the person who will need to change it. Mm -hmm. So the question becomes, how do I change it? Well, the first way to change it is by knowing or being open to receiving the truth about, an in, about something, particularly God's truth about something. About... Anything. Anything. Yeah. So in any direction, let's say I wanted to hear, uh, you know, let's say I wanted to become more loving. I'd have to be open to hearing God's truth about love rather than the world's truth about love. Because the world's truth about love basically is it's going to cause you lots of pain. You're going to have lots of crying. It's going to be very, very hard. And somebody will probably leave you anyway. And at the end of it all, it's probably hopeless. And, you know, most of us end up alone anyway. That's the world's truth about love. Mm -hmm. Well, that's completely opposite to God's truth about love. Now, if I believe the world's truth about love, am I ever going to really want to love? Probably not, because the world's truth about love is telling me there's a whole heap of negatives <laughs> and there's no positives. Yeah, <laughs> there's no mean? upside. There's no upside, there's a lot of downsides. So, yeah. so the average person on earth doesn't want to learn more about love mm -hmm. because their current definition of love is severely flawed. Yep. Once I learn that my definition of love is severely flawed and want to have a desire to, to reverse that, I will then probably, after hearing some truth about love, that God is love and it's not the same as the world's love and the reality is there's no pain in real love and all this kind of thing, and it starts to appeal to my desire, yep. I will begin to develop a desire to become more loving as a result. So that's one motivation. Yep. So I could say developing desire comes through knowledge, the development of knowledge. Mm -hmm. right? And that knowledge has to be based around the truth. And this is one way we develop our will, by focusing on desire for knowledge about truth. Mm -hmm. Another way we focus on the use of our will is by looking at what prevents us from exercising our will. Fear is a major preventer of exercising our will in positive directions. Yeah. We are afraid of things. 
We, we are afraid of many things that we don't need to be afraid of, in fact. Now, if I learn the truth that I don't need to be afraid of it, at some point I'm going to have to feel that I don't need to be afraid of it, which is going to mean needing to deal with my feelings about the matter of what I'm afraid of. Yeah. I need to use my will. I start to see the intellectual wisdom of using my will in the direction where I no longer have fear within me, that I get somehow get rid of fear. And so I would then need to exercise my will in that direction. So if, I'm, if I can see the truth that, that fear prevents the exercise of my will, then I'll probably develop a desire to feel my fears and release them. Yes. Right? I'll probably develop a desire to get rid of them. That's an essential part of using my will. Mm-hmm. So what I've only mentioned now is two things. The development of a desire right in terms of for truth yes and then developing a desire to release fear to 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 release the error which is all based around fear i would also need to at some point develop a desire along you know to 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 progress or grow now unfortunately for most people they don't develop a desire to grow unless they're in extreme pain Mm. and unfortunately pain becomes a great motivator Mm. for somebody to exercise their will in a different direction. Mm. In fact, many people who have progressed on the natural love path have only begun their progress because they were in so much pain in the hills they wanted it to stop. And then they began their progress. Yeah. So often times you can see that if we're sensitive to pain, there may be a likelihood that we'll progress, we'll use our will in a different direction. Right? that will desire to use our will. So it makes sense then that one of the things that's going to help my will be motivated, developed, is by becoming sensitive to pain. Yeah. It makes logical sense. Yeah. I need to allow myself to become sensitive to, logical pain, to logically to pain in order for myself to see the need to get out of pain mm-hmm. and then to develop a desire to get out of pain. Mm-hmm. So if I'm sensitive to pain, that will certainly motivate my will. So the more sensitive I am to pain, the better it's going to be for the exercise of my will. Mm-hmm. And while we could list many more things, these are, they are just three things that we've listed so far that where we can develop our will and, and actually exercise our will, like grow it. Will is like a muscle. And it's like any muscle, it will not grow unless it is exercised. So while you remain apathetic, will cannot grow. So learn how to not be apathetic anymore. Learn to have a decision, to have a choice. Learn to actually have an opinion. It doesn't matter even if the opinion's wrong. Mm -hmm. It's better than having no opinion. Mm Learn how to express your opinions. This will help the development of your will. You will soon have feedback when your opinions are out of harmony with love by God giving you this feedback through all of God's laws and you'll see when your opinions are in harmony with love, generally. Mm. But you need to engage your will to have an opinion (laughs) (laughs) and that will help you develop your will further. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) engaging with uh, thoughts, feelings, opinions, desires without facade is going to help us connect to how our will is already 
being exercised yes. and also to strengthen it like the muscles that you mentioned. Yes. And like every, if anybody has ever done any weights exercises, they know that the more resistance that they have, the stronger the muscle they build. Mm -hmm. So they know that the more something resists you, yeah. in the case of a weight, the more you have to struggle to lift it, the more your body adapts to the new level of, of strength required to lift that particular thing. Yep. It's exactly the same kind of thing we, if we want to develop our will. We need to understand that we need to place ourselves in situations that require us to overcome resistance. Mm -hmm. right? This is one great way, taking some action now, to overcome resistance right, to the development of our will, to, to the exercise of our will. Yep. So instead of avoiding situations, which most people do, instead of avoiding the situations where people oppose us mm -hmm. and oppose the exercise of our will, we would start to engage situations where people oppose our will. And we'd still exercise our will yep. in a loving manner. Yep. And this will cause, it's like resistance to our, our muscles. It's like causing us to have to be stronger with our will in order to make the breakthrough. And this doesn't mean that we'd be nasty. It just means that we're strong, have to be stronger in the exercise of our will. So in situations where usually we would have a different opinion or desire to do something and we that don't is express still in it harmony and we don't with act love, upon it. Yep. yep, where we usually just become passive and don't engage our will. Correct. It would be engaging our will. And exercising our will, growing it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Making sure that it's in harmony with love. If we grow it by actually engaging those situations. Yes. By actually, you know, having the confronting talk or having the situation you're afraid of, actually you're now engaged in the situation you're afraid of. Mm hmm it's an exercise of your will now. You have to use your will now to overcome this thing that's opposing you. Mm -hmm. And the beauty of using your will in this regard is you're exercising it. Mm -hmm. You're realizing the great joy that can come from the exercise of your own will. And once you start feeling joy in the exercise of your own will, there's a higher likelihood that you'll further exercise your will. See, most people have had a lot of pain and suffering in the exercise of their will as, as a child and so they have little joy in exercising their will as an adult. So what we need to do instead is allow ourselves to, have, to, to develop this joy of exercising our will by engaging confronting situations which we would normally avoid and allow ourselves to exercise our will through the engagement of the situation. And this will exercise our will, this will grow our will. And your will needs to grow because at the end of the day, if you want to become at one with God and you want to be loving and you want to love the, everyone in the world, even though they don't love you, you're going to have to use your will to do all of those things. Yeah. So you definitely want to learn how to grow your will. So we've been through basically four things. Now we could list many, many more things about the exercise of our will. And what we will do, with, we will have, while we've put this in the emotions frequently asked questions, the reality is it also deserves attention by itself. And so we will have, in fact, a whole series about the use of free will, the use of our will, that we'll answer questions about in the future. And we will engage more ways in which a person can grow their will 
rather than just remain empathetic and wait for some miracle <laughs> to come along or wait some, for some saviour to come along to save them from the exercise of their own responsibility to use their own will. Yeah, yeah. that'd be great. Yeah.